Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode 28, which I think I tried to make it episode 28 last week, uh, thinking back. Uh, we are live from Hindhoff Towers on a beautiful evening after a warm day, although a few clouds are just gathering. Uh, lovely to have your company on a packed show tonight at, up in London. Tim Gray, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. We have uh, news. We'll be joined live by Nick Damon, who's uh, with you in Thrapston. We'll be joined live by Shay Adam, who's returned to her uh, winter home of Florida. Yeah. We'll be joined live from uh, Johnny Palmer. He's in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a big interview, and it's a fantastic big interview this week. Uh, A two-wheeled one. uh, Is that from from Kerry? Four-wheeled ones we normally do. And we'll be looking forward to the second half of the uh, Mazda MX-5 Cup season, which kicks off this weekend in mid-Ohio. So it really is a packed show. It really and, is packed. And that's not where the entertainment ends uh, this evening. No, because Nick will also be performing uh, songs from the musical Cats uh, to coincide with the release of the trailer for the new film version starring uh, no. James Corden. No, he won't be doing that. But oh, Johnny really? Palmer will be back with more from the WEC prologue. Uh, if you oh, that's after us, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I said. We, the entertainment doesn't stop after us. Uh, just fade the bed a little bit and I will go through... Thank you. Go through a little bit of... Uh, Hang on. Housekeeping. That doesn't sound good, that. Does it? I think that needs a little bit of uh, foam spray on it. All right. Uh, uh, Moni Elysium is uh, in a team meeting today, but she'll catch the second half live from the Cube. Hello to Neil Gardner. Uh, hello to Billy Earl. No AFAs tonight. Pre-radiotherapy scans. Now for a cold drink. Feet and paddle pool. Two as hours of friends talking about motorsport. Billy, we wish you well, mate. Hope uh, all is going uh, okay for you. Kevin Payne will be catching up on the podcast. David Riley, uh, a bit busy with the pizza tonight. That does look good, but way too carby for me. Scott Soden uh, says, I hope Hindhoff isn't eating the flatbeds. We have a deal if I can't eat it, neither can he. Uh, I've had no flatbeds breads tonight. You've had no flatbeds either. No, no, not, not recently. Uh, oh no! In fact, uh, Virgin Atlantic did upgrade me to a flatbed on the way back. I, I was talking about the trucks. Ah, that's true. To the bed. Uh, no AFAs for safe Phil. Looking forward to ELMS and WEC at Silverstone. Not too many sleeps away now. You're absolutely right. 
Uh, shutting my door and tuning in live from the office, Austin Hilliard Racing, ready to hear your facts and well-educated opinions on everything in motorsport. You may, you may be, you may be in the wrong podcast. I was just going to say, Austin Hilliard Racing, yeah, uh, facts and well-educated opinions. Hmm, you may have come to the wrong place there. We'll do our best. Uh, good evening, Adrian Michael Reese. No F- AFAs from Chris Ring. Uh, as he's feeling envious as lots of friends are heading to the Silverstone Classic, wishing the Cornish Turtles and Beer Mountain Chaps a good weekend. No affairs from James Brown tonight. He feels good, obviously. Shea uh, Adam has said she's volunteered as tribute to eat all of my fat be- breads. Fat beds? Yeah. Juan Carlo Fischiquella. Um What do you think of Mercedes blanking their Mercedes years so far in the 125-year celebration? Mm. Uh, Mercedes have airbrushed other logos out of their history as well in the past uh, Ben says evening uh, the genetic LMP1's looking pretty great to see them circulating tune in after us, stay tuned in after us tonight for JP, we'll have a word with them later on Sarah, sweltering in crew sweltering Sarah in crew yes, excellent counting down the days till we'll be at the ELMS and WEC at Silverstone uh, <laughs> Austin Hilliard Racing, just following up there, proving we're live. Maybe my opinion isn't very well educated. Mm, very good. Very, very good indeed. At Specutainment, out of office set, simple one-line handover, email sent. Time to relax tonight, says Chris Humphreys, going to Silverstone. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Nick H in darkest Bedfordshire's just round the corner. Um, a little sweaty at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's top... I, I say this slightly uh, scarily. Uh, you don't say it scarily. You say it with uh, intrepidation. Trepidation. That was the one I was looking for. I'm slightly scared to say this. And with trepidation, I ask Tim to shuffle Before his papers. Before we go to the top stories, we huh? need to prove that we're live. Oh, yes. Cricket. And we tonight, do that uh, with some uh, football stores. Because right. we are well into the uh, Champions League season. Right. And uh, just four minutes in, there's already been a goal. Really? Yes, it's Dundalk nil, FK Carrier Bag 1. There is not really somebody called FK Carrier Bag. It might not be pronounced like that. Okay. Not South Floors are at the uh, uh, playing the Northamptonshire Steelbacks. And Notts Outlaws need 145 runs to win from 19 overs. They are currently 8 for 1 at the end of the first over. That's just noise to share, obviously. Shall we uh, shuffle your papers and play the jingle? All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Where do we start tonight then, Tim? We're going to start with Formula 1. Hooray! And memories all alone in the moonlight. Is that from Cat? It certainly is. Oh dear. Right. Wasn't the one I was expecting him to choose, but... Uh, that, see, I knew that one. He did, he did, at least he did one that I knew that was actually a hit out. Bit of a lane page. You can't beat a bit of a lane page. Taiwan, Marvel's voice. Mm-hmm. I was Absolutely. talking to Not someone on the, the other day <laughs> who could not believe that Elaine Page was in the original cast of Cats. And then when I mentioned Brian Blessed, they just went white. But Elaine Page was in the original cast of Hair. Really? Yeah. I saw Hair this week This week in the Milton Keynes Theatre. It's incomprehensible balderdash. Had you not seen in it before? In, in no. In the 70s, <gasps> it was groundbreaking. I saw it at the Sunderland Empire 
when I was in my teens. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the 50th anniversary tour. I'll go and see that. It's a classic. It's a classic musical. It's a classic. Rubbish. It's very hard to describe without using with using radio-based words. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I, when it's like really kind of, it's enjoyable, isn't it? Average is bad. Really good. Really bad are great. Hmm. Moving on. What's our Formula One story <laughs> that we laid with time before we <laughs> end up sounding like a program on Saturday night on Radio Two? Oh yes. Oh yes. That's got Elaine Page on this as well. Yes, exactly. Great, great late night listening. Right. Moving on. Please, please. Uh, we're going to go to Australia. Are we? Oh, yes. yeah, okay. Right. Uh, for many years into the future, because Albert Park secured a new deal. I know. Apparently, the in thing now, the trendy thing, is to have your deal to 2025. Mm. Because now Australia has 2025 to go with Silvers in 2025, to go with Monza in uh, 2025 and a couple of others. So it kind of makes you think that... Uh, um, Something Liberty big's happening in 2025? Liberty are looking to get out about 2023. I would say. Mm, <laughs> that's interesting. Get things tied up for a couple of years, you know, get the revenue moving forward. No, I'm, I'm just being cynical there. Uh, has it been met with universal uh, excitement and approval, the fact that the Australian Grand Prix is doing no, other parts? it was never a surprise. There were lots of people in other parts of Australia who wish it was coming to their town. Mm. Mm. Adelaide, the Bend, Bathurst. I don't think it can go at the Bend. I don't think it's only a grade two circuit. Yeah, but that's, that's only financially grade two rather mm. than... Designed grade two, but they have said that it's they might. It's certainly long enough to be grade one. Oh yeah, they, ha- they have said they might actually do the track amendments. They didn't bother doing two years ago. Albert Parks hadn't got a long-term contract. Now they've got a long-term contract. They might do the track amendments, which, which might actually um, turn eleven and twelve, which are kind of sweepy swoop swoop swoop. Yep. They're going to turn into a hard stop and a turn in an attempt to make it. Um, um, was that was that middle of the road? Yes. Sweepy, sweepy, sweep, sweep. <laughs> yes, well done. Um, this is much easier without delay, isn't it? So much easier without delay doing this <laughs> to you, John. Um, but it's uh, if we're trying to be funny. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> Try and be the operative word. Exactly, yeah, failing most of the time. But yes, yeah, so they're, they're, they're looking to put a hard stop in to make an overtaking place. Because really? there aren't any. Everyone comes from Wales and gnashes their teeth, don't they, when they have the first race in Albert Park because you can't overtake there. So they're going to try and... They, theoretically, because they've got um, five years, they're now going to actually spend some money which I don't really see how much money they have to spend because they're converting roads, just, just going a different way around. But I suppose there's something involved in that. Mm. And, and redesign the track slightly. Is theoretically possible what might happen, but I'll not be, for next year. I don't know the answer to this question, so I, I, this is genuinely me mm. needing to know. Mm-hmm. So when it's not the Grand Prix, mm-hmm. I take it the edges of the Grand Prix track and, and the you know catch fencing aren't there. They're taken yeah. down. It's exactly like Canada. Right. So Canada is in a park... And yeah, it's in the old the export are, park. The roads are still available, and then you can trundle down them, and then people go to the park. And the pit buildings are permanent, and the pit buildings are permanent in, in Albert Park as well, the F1 ones. But mm-hmm. the rest of it just becomes the ones in Albert Park are actually used for something completely different when the Grand Prix is not oh, in right. town. Oh, go on, I didn't know that. Tell me. Uh, it's a sports centre, and they have indoor <gasps> football and basketball and all sorts really? of things in there. Yes. I did not know that. Yes, so anyway, Johnny so Palmer and I have actually walked around Albert Park in sweltering heat. <laughs> Uh, and we stopped off at the pit building and had a look inside. And did you play football or squash uh, or we badminton? We, we weren't really dressed for it. Ah, I see. Mm. Those thongs, eh? Well, it's the flip-flops, I think. That would, uh, that's what that's what they call thongs in Down Under. Yeah, that's down, not down what under Nick under. was referring to. Though, no, well. I was just thinking that were mankinis, obviously, as well. Isn't that? that's, that's Johnny's normal uh, summer attire. That's what he's wearing in Barcelona right now. I can well, imagine. Almost, almost certainly. Uh, hello, Alan Prosser says, sorry I was late. I was getting beer. That's that's all right. That's fine. Uh, and uh, and Bay Mountain Chappesses. We mentioned the Bay Mountain Chaps earlier on on a, a tweet. Uh, and Chappesses, yes. Uh, 
absolutely, Barnsley. You're quite correct there. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Oh, sorry, Andrew Muggeridge has just joined us as well. Looking forward to the Le Mans tribute race at Silverstone Classic this weekend. I have to decide whether I've got time to go to that. Didn't know it was on. Mm, Saturday night. Do you want to go? I think I'm busy, actually, unfortunately. Okay. I'm put, I get, I, ooh. Oh, bit of Crown Court. Love a bit of this. Mm. Tried to get this as my um, ringtone, but I couldn't work out how to do it. I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> You've got an Android phone, have you? No, I've got a much more... It's difficult to use one. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, unless you can buy this on iTunes and you've got no chance. Yeah, that's what I found. Uh, just before we go into this, while this is just playing gently in the background, can I play slightly more gently in the background? Right Turn Lover says, uh, with regard to your, uh, your news uh, on the Albert Park Grand Prix, the German Grand Prix now feeling a little left behind. Their contract will expire in less than 2025 hours. 2025 hours. Yeah, and it's not, at the moment, looking like it's going to be renewed, is it? It looks, no. like, it looks like it's them and Barcelona missing out. To be fair, it's going to Barcelona? be... Barcelona? Yes. Mexico. Barcelona's pretty much gone. Barcelona's gone. Mexico's Mexico. going to be replaced by Vietnam. Mexico, it's, it's, it's a bit kind of up in the air. Oh, well, it is, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But Moving on. So, uh, who's been in court this week? Uh, a man called Glenn Beavis. Mm. He's been to the High Court of Justice of the United Kingdom. Right. Uh, alleging non-payment of ah, 20% yes. commission on uh, a uh, contract between Daniel Ricciardo and Renault. Yes. Oh, really? Dan yeah. Beavis, who is um, one of his advisors, well, who was one of uh, Danny Rick's advisors, stroke agents, whatever it may be, and was actually featured in Drive to Survive, the Netflix series, at the start when there was a long conversation with him and, and, uh, oh, and got, a moment. Uh, mm. discussing about the where they were going to go end the season. And um, he was kind of unceremoniously, he says, or completely legitimately, uh, Danny Rick says, given the flick, as they say in uh, uh, Australia. Um, Legal about, terminology, that is. Thank you. Uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the year, um, when the Renault contract hadn't quite been finalised and... Uh, Therefore, whilst he's theoretically, he says, he should get 20% of everything that he ever introduces Danny to. Yeah. And he says he introduced him to it. There's an argument about that. And that's where the 10 million comes from, because obviously it's based on the, they're not saying that 10 million is 20% of his contract for this year, but it's contract for the whole value and everything else and mm. knock-on effects, including his personal masseur, apparently he gets 20% of that, which is quite interesting. So basically the masseur turns up, does 48 minutes on uh, on Danny and then does 12, 12 minutes, minutes. On, on, yeah. on, the, on the PR guy. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a lovely base. Let's try and embarrass people by suing them, and I need all this money. And you either think this, if you're on one side of the coin, you think it's terrible behaviour by the racing driver and his racing driver's new advisors. Over the other side, you just think he's a leech trying to get some money out of this athlete. Do you think that it was expected to go to court, or do you think it was expected to be settled out of court to avoid the embarrassment? I'm absolutely certain he put in a significantly lower demand um, in private. Mm. And when they said, no, nah, mate, not happening, um, he then put well, a much... a smile on his face. Absolutely. He put a much bigger one in through the courts. Mm. Right. Okay. Uh, what uh, is White Dunes? Is it a exciting new fragrance? No. Is it an energy drink? <laughs> no, it's the... Uh, <laughs> Please no. Is it a new race circuit somewhere? It ought to be. It sounds that sounds good, doesn't it? White. It's, is it's that what they're going to rename Zanvor when the redoing <laughs> yeah, it? Very White good. June. It's, it also it also sounds like a rather pretentious B and B, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you want your eggs, love? Fried or boiled? 
Uh, it's a company owned by Daniel Ricciardo uh, uh, in the British Virgin Islands. Obviously. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, so that's, that's very offshore for Australia, isn't it? Have they got, have they yeah, got anywhere, anywhere more local they can go offshore? Tassie? Yeah. And, New uh, Zealand. Fiji. Apparently, Glenn Beavis was contracted to provide consultancy services to White Dunes. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, cash, isn't it? Uh, what is R&H Trust Company? Is it another company? Ricciardo and somebody's. No, that's uh, Daniel Ricciardo's lawyers. They're based ah. on the Channel Islands of Jersey. Right. No oh, one, oh. no one in F1 likes paying tax, do they? They're they in really Monaco. Don't. They're in Jersey. They're in the Virgin Islands. They're Delta Topical, fl- flippy bubble somewhere else again. It's like, I wonder. See, I wonder, you know, whether anybody in F1, regardless of the nationality and regardless of where they live, actually pays any tax ever. I'm sure some of them pay some tax, hmm. just probably not as high a percentage as you do, Nick. Well, who could? Uh, well, you used to get it deducted at source. I know. Until recently. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, because because I think I think Roman Grosjean actually lives in France, so he must pay some money. Hmm. I think he's made the mistake of not living being in Monaco. French, yes. yes, not living in Monaco. But, but the French charge a lot of tax, don't they? Yes, seventy percent for. High earners. Well, it yeah. costs a lot of money to have, a, yeah, have all those that civil unrest, you know. Well, to police the civil unrest, mm. yes, absolutely. Moving on. Uh, who is Daniel Ricciardo's management? Daniel Ricciardo's dad, his no. mum, his daughter. Has he, he? Well, he's changed, doesn't he? But it used to be White Dunes, and now it's not. Black right. Dunes. It's uh, CAA Sports. Are they who? Well, who? Are they quite well CAA. Known, CAA. Civil Aviation Authority have branched out. Yeah, uh, uh, we can't make money out of airports <laughs> anymore. Where are they based? <laughs> Gatwick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, is it a tax haven by any chance? It's not, no. It's oh, California. Oh, uh, right, okay. Uh, to get all the Hollywood uh, stars. Right. Nice uh, you mentioned Drive to Survive earlier. Yes, yes new season. Yes, it's coming back. And guess what? Go Everyone's on. playing now, it's popular. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. I thought that might be the case because uh, the press release... Uh, has a photo accompanying with it, which has got a Ferrari in it, and I'm thinking, I don't remember seeing any Ferraris in the last series of Drive to Survive. Well, there was a Ferrari, but it was a Ferrari on the title, which was just an overhead shot of a pit stop. Um, yeah. but there was no yes, there Can I honestly say, I haven't seen anything it's of it. very interesting. It's a little bit Haas-heavy, to be honest, um, but apart from that, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it goes quite underneath, I saw a bit. I saw a bit of a trailer, I think, that had awful um, dubbed sound effects on it. What, Team Awful? Dumb sound effects. Very good. <laughs> no, just like you know, squealing tires and oh yeah, it's all it's all, accentuated it's got crash thi- noises. It's got the thing that we don't, which, which both of you and I don't like, even though you've done it, which is post-produced live commentary. Yes. Because you got people like I think they use um, uh, Will a lot, don't they? Um, and um, you know, he's commentating on someone coming ninth, which obviously never happened live. <laughs> So, um, if it tells the story, it is. It's, it's, so the, sa- to, it's the addition so of sound to, effects. You have to park it's that. It's like canned laughter. I, yeah, I never like canned that, laughter. Which we have to park that. But then they actually do sell some very interesting behind the scenes stories. Really? Yes. If only I had Netflix. If you or Netflix. had a friend who has I'd, Netflix. I don't uh, have internet near the telly that is fast enough to watch anything on. Ah. Uh, use your tablet. I just download it. What tablet would that be? I download it and watch it on planes. I sleep on planes. That is true. Moving on. Uh, yeah, I think we've finished that story, haven't Can we? Can I do a couple of quick emails? Uh, quick tweets. Emails, blindly. Yeah. Uh, Ollie Giles says, apologies for absence. I'll be listening back. Have a great show. 
Giancarlo says, am I the only one that thinks Hockenheim's a horrible track? R- rarely produces a cracking race unless there's rain. I wish we had the old one. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah. The old one, uh, people look at it far too nostalgically. It produced some really dull, dull processional races. races. I'm sorry, but the race is actually at the new Hockenheim are pretty good. It's yeah. got two decent overtaking places. And, and it's, no, it's, I, like, I love that stadium section. We've had lots of good, uh, lots of good races at Hockenheim. I think somebody's got their races confused. Uh, Nürburgring, yeah, that's a bit cut. Yeah. Uh, no MWL for Jack. That's just Jack. Oh. Live for me this week. Have to move and, and this, I read Stars this as immigration sprayer. <laughs> no, just Jack was Will and Grace. Nice. Um, uh, still have to move an irrigation sprayer. My day starts tomorrow at four. Trying to beat the heat. Yes, someone has to be a farmer, or that everybody would be hungry, thirsty, or cold. Says Jack. I read that as immigration spray. and wondered what your job was. <laughs> I, I, I may, that, may, may, may have to make that text a bit bigger on on there. Moving on. You listen to Midweek Motorsport Series 14, Episode 28. We're in the uh, F1 news. It is the German Grand Prix this weekend. It is. It is. Who's going to win? Lewis Hamilton. Who's going to finish? You said third? that very sort of quietly. <laughs> You said that, that very sort of quietly and, and sort of... But in Hamilton. qualifying, it's going to be really hot still, so they might have some problems. But the race is currently predicted to be six degrees cooler than that. Who's, and it's not 700 metres. Whose qualifying problems at Hockenheim have we already been seeing every other tweet? Oh, is somebody getting their retaliation in first about how bad qualifying is going to be? No, someone's, someone's getting their uh, uh, memes out of certain driver... Just going straight on into a gravel trap at Hockenheim. Uh, Sebastian Fell? Probably. It is. It's mm. Poor old Seb. This is, the, this, is the, this is the anniversary of it all going Pete Tong, isn't it? That's it, it certainly... St- it was. I think this is when it all started to and bubble, wasn't it? carried on going Pete Tong ever since. Yeah. I, in, in what way will his head explode this weekend and, and all go um, See, this is interesting. See, I think that this weekend he'll be fine. Really? I think he's going to have that focused concentration about... Not going to cock up. Not going to cock up. Not going to cock up. He's not going to go off at that corner, is he? Not, and he's, and not, he's, he's not, not going to try and go around the outside. He's not going to try and do any silly overtake manoeuvres there because he's going to be absolutely. Oh uh, no, maybe he will. Yeah, I think. I think. You know, it, realistically, he he's he's in a massive bind because um, Leclerc's got the got the idea now, hasn't he? Basically, after a couple of after getting, taking mm. four five races to get up to speed, uh, now it's like, yeah, I kind of got this guy. And what's another, what's the betting on more wheel banging between Verstappen and sorry Verstappen? Mm-hmm. Team don't like you calling Verstappen, mm-hmm. even though that's how his name's said. Um, Verstappen uh, and Tizai. Uh, I would think that that is going to be the the. Story continued story for many years to come hopefully um, no quarter given do you about Verstappen's brake failure are we doing this one Tim no you can do this yeah, he had a brake failure two laps at the end of a race right. on his virtual sim rig really he was doing the, he was doing the virtual 24 um, hour spa with Lando Norris and a oh yeah I saw him too and yeah, he, had a, uh, he had a his, his rig brakes failed what, so his pedal box broke? His pedal box broke, yeah. So he had to drive without the brake? Yeah, he, he limped in, lost a lap, but they still won by a few seconds, yeah. Wow. So he had, so he had, a, he had more drama brake failure at Spa. More <laughs> drama than there'll be in the actual race, well, I have no I, doubt. I think there'll be plenty of drama in Spa in 24 hours, mm. but, uh, Not of a good type, I'm afraid. Alan Prosser says, I used to love watching World Superbike at the old Hockenheim. Pierre Francisco, Keeley, Foggy Edwards, Scott Russell, Aaron Slate. I like bikes at the old Hockenheim. I didn't have any problem with the old Hockenheim as a circuit, but as Tim says, it wasn't as good as everyone says it was. 
just because they, they were whacking out top whack and then went to a chicane and went top whack again went to a chicane and then the only good thing and then about the it, would win and the only good thing about it was because they would trim the cars right out for the fast section they did move around quite a lot in the stadium section mm. but it wasn't and there was a lot of drafting special. there was a lot of drafting not not by the time we got to mid 90s are we uh, are we going to what else are we doing on formula 1 got a couple of asian stories are, are we going to do the rules changes for rules changes for 2021 yeah well, the, the leaked rule changes which haven't been actually in any way possibly mm. actually agreed whatsoever and the announcement that they well, one thing I thought was quite interesting was they, they leaked the rule they leaked the car this is what we're going for this is what we're going for love Look, can I just say proper throwback to Max days let's <laughs> let's put some chum in the water and see who bites and see who throws it back at us and see which of the teams go no yes. the thing I like was they, I, I like they, they seem they're going to employ people to, to they're going to employ some ex or current aerodynamicists who haven't got a job solely to see if they can find any loopholes they're going to have a loophole team. Mm. Is there not a reason why these aerodynamics are currently without work? Well, it might be. It's not necessarily because they couldn't find a loophole. So the mm. idea, if correct me if I'm wrong, which I often am on these things because it's well beyond my small brain, uh, the idea is to go back to ground effect cars. Yes, basically. Because it, is, it produces less... Turbulence is less affected by following a car in front. Yeah, less disturbed air behind the car. It's doing less of the front wing. It's doing more of the underbody. Still right. gets disturbed, but it's, it's significantly less than. But does that not mean that when they lifted cars up and tried to slow down the cornering speeds, mm-hmm. that was because the tracks were being outgrown by the cornering speeds of the cars? Are we not just going to exacerbate yes. no, that no, problem? No, what you, what you basically say is, we, we say the, they don't, but say the car produces a 1,000 kilograms of downforce in its current form by mm-hmm. using over-the-body flow and everything else. What well, they're going to say is, right, we want to still want to produce 1,000 kilograms of downforce, or possibly a bit less, actually, but we'll do it under-body, because if they produce 1,000 kilograms of downforce, it's a lot less draggy to do it under the cars. The cars will go faster in a straight line, so they'll have to produce a bit less to keep the speeds down but you, it's not like open season the channels right. will be limited and, and right. I, I'm pretty certain they won't have skirts they won't be sealing which is where a huge amount of downforce mm. comes from um, and they'll have the bigger wheels by then as well, yet. no he's still around and they will and they will be allowed to put a dustbin sized fan in the back absolutely yeah. <laughs> he must be well into his 70s though he's still brilliant Gordon Murray he's still designed road cars isn't he mm. he's, doing a he's, got, he's got a couple of projects going on it. Um, he, he bought the smart yeah some sort of he's, he, br- he bought the smart roadster uh, didn't something he? Something he's done with that. Yeah, was electric uh, or something. And else. he was going to try and bring that back as a Healy. Uh, um, or something. Uh, right Turn Lover says, Vettel and Reichen and pay taxes in Switzerland. Their taxable quote-unquote income is five times the theoretical rent of their abodes. Theoretical as they own their own abodes. As far as I know, he says. What's he, he, sent, he sent a picture of Kimmy's. He's standing outside of Kimmy's at the moment. Right Turn really Lover. really wouldn't obviously. surprise me. Genuinely would RTL. not surprise me. Um... Is yeah. he holding a copy of Kimmy's filed accounts as well? <laughs> no, he's holding uh, nice cream. He's, he's holding a copy of uh, Kimmy's poetry. Haiku. He's haiku. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Midweek Motorsport. Uh, we saw Formula we? One. Did the show. Yeah. <laughs> this is Midweek Motorsport. Yeah, it is definitely. I'm sure but of that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I think I think the 2021, as you say, was a kind of let's throw it up and see what happens. No one was. No one seemed very offended by it. So that's gone quite well. Um, and the teams will all go, oh, damn, no one's offended by it. And so they're going to um, push on. But they obviously are, you know, going to manage to even beat um, Le Mans, aren't they, by not having the regulations out till 
the October prior to a March start. Wow. So they got 17 months. At least he got 18 months with the hypercar. Well, that, that's not true because we haven't. There isn't actually a proper set of technical regulations yet on that. Still, <laughs> that was me in my ears thinking that something had been sorted out. Carry on, sorry about that. If you if you listen, <laughs> if you're to... not different, I'd I'd determined if she wouldn't point me to a set of actual tech tech regulations that talks about underbodies and wing sizes and overhangs mm. and 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 then I'd be, I'd be very happy I to... I thought it was just regulations that. saying, are you manufacturing how much cash will you give us? That'll do. If you listened to uh, <laughs> last night's first episode of our coverage of the WC Pro mm. Lock in Barcelona, Johnny Palmer asked uh, a number of drivers about uh, hypercars. Mm. Uh, so tune in to find out what they said. Yes, uh, I would like one. Is that was a podcast yet, uh, Tim? Are you going to yes, play it? about uh, 22 hours ago. All right, okay, fine. Some of us have got work to do, you know. I, I, I haven't always been able to check my phone. And now we're playing the, the, it's the second one tonight, is it? Episode two is tonight. And episode two is a lot longer than episode one was. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, because Johnny decided that in episode one he wanted to concentrate only on GTE cars. Right. And there aren't very many of them. No, that's true. Six, so he's, isn't he's certainly made up for it. Uh, I think there's seven on the entry list, but there were six there or something like that. Mm. Only 30 cars for Silverstone, of course. Well, it's only four hours. Well, possibly 31 if there's a third rebellion. It'd be a if second a th- rebellion. If there's a thir- second rebellion. If there's a third rebellion. That'd be impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, quite, there's a few cars there with three drivers down for a four-hour race. Mm. There's uh, one team uh, which had six drivers yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Ginetta. No. It's uh, good to see Ginetta there Martin. and going round. Very good. Let's hope that that we'll works. We'll talk to Johnny about that in the second hour. All right, yes. Show. Okay, in point. the meantime, we need to move on. Good morning, Vietnam! Hey. The Vietnam Grand Prix Corporation, promoter of the Formula 1 Vietnam Grand Prix 2020, is delighted to announce the opening of the pre-sale ticketing phase. And apparently it's not a test. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is not a test. This is not a test. <laughs> and the number and the price of the ticket would be 19. Mm, All ticket sales... Uh, sorry, all ticket categories are now on pre-sale to fans at home and abroad who watch, wish to get in pole position and secure their tickets for the newest addition to the Formula 1 calendar. Do we think it's going to happen? Yes, absolutely. All right, okay. Set to become the fourth proper street race on the F1 calendar next year, the F1 Hanoi racetrack will run to 5.57 kilometres and feature 22 corners. Four? Singapore. Oh, Singapore, yep. Got it. Yeah, back in Singapore, Monaco. Monaco. I hadn't got Singapore because mm-hmm. because of course you've got um, as we said before you've got Albert Park and Montreal which are partial street circuits. Yes, mm. although you can't actually drive a road car. Well, you can drive a road car around Albert Park, but there's a chicane to stop you going all the way round. Mm. That's cruel. And you pass through the pit lane. Uh, chairman or chief executive officer of the uh, Vietnam Grand Prix Corporation, uh, Ms. Chi. L- Ngoc said, Today is another key milestone in the arrival of Formula One in Hanoi. We're thrilled to launch our ticket sales program. Our message to everyone is clear. Come to Hanoi next April, not only to witness a spectacular race on F1's newest street circuit, but also to discover the beautiful city and all it has to offer. We can't wait to welcome the world to Hanoi next year for this very special weekend of sports and entertainment. Yeah, can't argue that, really. Yeah. Oh, by the way, quickly, on, on t- have you seen that they've got um, the application for um, the Dutch Grand Prix? They have a million people with, who express interest in getting a ticket. One million? A million people want the tickets. There's 105,000 capacity. 
That's going to be an awful lot of disappointed fans. It's going to be 950,000 uh, disappointed fans, I think. Mm. Well, they're looking to make more space, perhaps by removing some of the track. Uh, if you'd like uh, Platinum uh, Champion Club uh, hospitality tickets or Diamond uh, Champion Club or Gold uh, Champion Club hospitality tickets uh, for three days, that's $4,100. US would you would you get some form of, of full metal jacket with that? Very good. But I'll see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you very much. And if you go, no, I'll stop now. There's <laughs> too many, too easy. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in Hanoi though, because obviously I've, I, have, I had about 11 Miss Saigon references lined up. Nah. Uh, general admission tickets start at only thirty dollars uh, for a one-day ticket for Friday. That's quite. They're not going to get, get any locals at that price, are they? No, not at all. Only the rich ones. Alexander Orkin has just uh, arrived home, unexpectedly late, but he's ch- tuning in now. He's been on for a couple of minutes. Uh, time just for one more F1 story. Yes. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Moose. <laughs> yes. Moose? Nick's giggling as if he's already seen this. No, no, no I just I think anything that opens like Moose, I mean, I immediately... As my, in, I my t- mind went to, to National Lampoon's... Uh, See, I went to a nice fluffy dessert. Huh? There we are. Oh, uh, no, not that sort of moose. This is M W S E. Right. Sort of moose that uh, Shay would be familiar with. In antlers. Her... <laughs> not horns. Antlers. Yeah. Moving on. Like a stag. That Moving on. Oh, uh, no. Thailand's premium apple craft cider has today announced Alex Albon as its first ever brand ambassador as part of a new partnership with Scuderia Toro Rosso. Apple what cider? Craft cider. Oh, Apple craft cider, okay. As an official partner to the team, the Moose logo will be featured on both drivers' race overalls, uh, both cars, and on Alex's helmet for the uh, starting from the 2019 German Grand Prix. Tell me he's going to put aerodynamic antlers on his helmet. That would be Ooh. fantastic. Um... I didn't know that they made cider in Thailand. I didn't think make it was everything cent- in Thailand. I didn't think it was a centre of apple production. Alex is the perfect role model for young Thai athletes, said Assistant Managing Director of Lucky Siam Wainri Kun Varit Uvidya. Always difficult. Mm-hmm. Well done. After successful years in junior categories, he's got his F1 opportunity at Toro Rosso, where he's already impressed everyone with his talent, speed and character. Mm. The Moose brand stands for passion, being authentic and to follow our own path, all of which we feel is very much embodied by Alex. But not Moose's. Alex said, it's a real honour to be brand ambassador for Moose Cider, a young and ambitious Thai brand as I can personally identify with. I bet he didn't actually say that Ever at all. Ever since he's a young boy, he's wanted to be associated with Moose. Mm. Or Cider. There was a thing about mooses, wasn't there? Was it in the credits of um, Holy Grail? That moose's nose is wiped by, and there's a whole kind of the, the credit. The, the, so kind of a, yeah, the idea wasn't someone taking over the credits. Right, about mooses. I think it was in Holy Grail. Notes to editors: Cider <laughs> is an alcoholic drink made from fermenting apple juice that has been yep. popular across the world for thousands of years. Yes, it certainly ruined the mead sales in yes, the West. Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, certainly did. Haven't had one of these for a while, pointless press release. Okay, yeah, moose. Right, shall we move on now? So, Adam, have you ever drunk moose? Uh, no, I have not, thankfully. And so in all my time going to Canada, I've only ever seen two in the wild. 
But really? hang on though, we've all seen the videos of the drunk moose. You know how mooses actually eat fermented fruit and get drunk. Ah. This is how yes. I got the name because you know, I mean, they, they wander in staggering into people's gardens and falling over because they're drunk on fermented fermented apple. Well, whatever the fermented fruit is up in Canada, snowballs or something. Everywhere. <laughs> What's it like to be back home in Florida, year? Oh, it's glorious, John. It's so hot. Um, it's a nice bit of respite from uh, from the heat that we experienced at Lime Rock, though. Um, but it's just nice to be able to look out and see the Atlantic Ocean and know that you and Nick are somewhere way off over there in the distance. I'm waving. Can you not see me? Yeah. Uh, is that what that is? She's on the wrong side of the building for that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking at Okay. Sounds reasonable. A couple of great races. northeast. A couple of great races at, uh, at Lime Rock Park at the... At the weekend, uh, very extreme heat for the drivers. It's going to be at least that hot at Spa at the weekend, which is a bit of a worry uh, for me. I really, I really do think that. Uh, I mean, two fabulous races that we had at the weekend. Yeah, no complaining whatsoever about the quality of the performances that we saw. There were some uh, interesting elbow out moments. Uh, a lot of fallout, particularly on Twitter. The next day, um, between oh, yes. Ben Keating, Andy Lally, Michael Shank, um, just very interesting uh, goings on. And, and Ben, being the class act that he is, ultimately said, you know, I, I apologize for what I said. I'm a bit fired up, as you can imagine, and really need to sort of work all this out on the racetrack. And uh, quite honestly, um, in my preseason prediction, did have the 33 winning the race at Road America because Ben Keating and Jerome Blake Mullen are so strong when we get there. So they'll be able to recover from a less than great weekend at Lime Rock. But no, the, the quality of what we saw on track, it was it was phenomenal. I mean, how often do we see Richard Westbrook taking off the pink fluffy bunny slippers and putting oh, on the good. go as fast as he possibly can boots? He is good. I remember him from his Porsche days yeah. and... When Richard's in that kind of mood, he's unstoppable. But you've got to say, at the front of the field, as we said on Mission and Post Race Tech, and it is there for download, uh, that the tactics, three pit stops against two, three pit stops for the winning car, basically broke the race up into three equal parts because of the extreme tyre degradation, because of the heat. It worked really well. Um, all of our musings on the weekend's action is on Mission and Post Race Tech, uh, which we went through with your questions, of course. Uh, on Saturday evening. So download that and have a listen if you hadn't already done it. But today, we have got the entry list for what's called the IMSA Road Race Showcase, where we bring this, the um, uh, where we bring the prototypes back. We've got all of the, uh, or quite a lot of the support series, the development series uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a really busy weekend after just sort of, oh, which what was on last? Oh, that was Pilot. All oh, right, so it's WeatherTech next. So what was on there? That was WeatherTech. Yeah. Oh, so it was, that was it. That was the easiest weekend I've ever had to do. And I still managed to get one of them <laughs> wrong on the intros. Um, so what have, you, what have you dug up for the IMSA Road Race Showcase, which is not this weekend, but next weekend, August 2nd to 4th? Well, we have more cars than we can shake a stick at. That's for starters. Uh, 19 Lamborghinis in the Lamborghini Super Show Bio. We've got 29 cars entered for the GT3 Cup US and 15 for Canada, but we're not oh, going to yes. have 44 cars because there's some overlap there with a couple of entrants running in both championships, right. including championship leader in both Rome and De Angelis. I forgot um, it was the so you, I forgot it was the combined round of that again. So that that'll be Porsche 
heaven for everybody. Yeah, okay. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. Um, in Should we do pilot challenge first mm. or weather tech? Which do pilot. One? Pilot challenge? Okay. Um, pilot challenge, we have a new Mustang coming into the field. Ooh. PF Racing is fielding a second car for Jeff Courtney, local hero for Road America, and Fred Roberts. Uh, we expect to have both Brett Mosing, who's been on grandfather duties after his children have brought new children into the world, and Frank Depew back in their respective cars. The second seat in the Compass McLaren is still TBD. So that's going to be interesting. It's been Paul Reese the last couple of rounds. And prior to that, Paul Holton, who we know is running in the uh, Compass McLaren in the Weather oh, Tech Show. Mm-hmm. Ari, Ari Baylog comes back, but in the second Bimmer World BMW, oh. he'll be sharing with Seth Thomas because he's been driving with Greg Leofuge the last couple of rounds in the automatic racing Aston Martin, the new one. Stephen Cameron Racing is back with their interview. So Leaf is going back to sharing that car with Henry Schmidt, his normal championship right. uh, duo. We have a second car, not only for Bimmer World, but for Carbon, the championship leaders oh, wow. in the Audi. They're running a car for Mark Siegel and Tom Dyer. Um, so this is the third time this year that there's been a second Audi underneath that, uh, that tent. Only two Aston Martins this weekend, John. One old and one new with a completely new driver listed against it. A guy from India who I've never heard of, and I will have to do some research on him. As for TCR Who's land, that? we've got, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, hang on as I flip back through the entry lists. His name is Akhil Rabindra from Bangalore, India. He's listed on the entry list. Um, so he's somebody I'll, I'll do a bit of research on. And then in TCR, we might not have Alex Popoff back in the Alpha. Uh, Mark Fame is the only driver listed against the red one right now. And JDC Miller Motorsports, the last time that they ran a second car was when we saw Britt Casey Jr. win the race with Mikey Taylor uh, back at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Well, Britt Casey's going to be in an Audi TCR alongside Chris Miller, who, again, hometown hero for the Wisconsin track. Uh, Akil Rabinda is an Aston Martin Racing Academy driver, driving in the GT4 European oh, Series cool. for Pro Sport. Uh, well, and a graduate driving- of the University of Edinburgh, Scotland. So there you go. Hey. And then Creventic. Very cool. He's done some Creventic stuff. Last That's couple what... of quick last three Creventics. Yeah, think? yeah. And he drove in British Formula Three Championship with Lannan Racing, British Formula Four in 2015. Uh, McLaren GT driver to race in the British Championship with Black Bull Garage 59 in 2017. Uh, so he's done a bit, definitely. Uh, I remember him in the um, yeah the 24 Hours of Silverstone back in 2018. Um, he was in the Mini, if you remember. You were there for that, weren't you? Uh, no, you weren't. It was just me, uh, Bradley and Trusses, wasn't it? Oh, well, welcome welcome to the championship. Uh, the Big Show has a healthy 35 entries as we welcome back the uh, prototypes again. And no word as yet that I've seen about any uh, balance of performance changes to the DPIs or indeed to any of the... the uh, the classes but there's time for that yet well i think it has to be yeah nothing nothing announced as of yet yeah i think it has to be seven days before the race though if if memory serves i may be maybe just uh making that up uh 10 dpis uh something very important there john yeah no yunkos yes they're not back yet after the big crash at canadian tire motorsport park 
Um, I remember seeing that that car didn't look too badly damaged because it was all in one piece and the wheels were all still roughly in the right place at the corners and the doors opened and everything was cool. But apparently that 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 whole chassis has been written off. Is what yep. I heard. Uh, and between between that crash and then the crashes that they suffered at the Indy 500, it's put them in a bit of a financial pinch. Right. So I know that uh, Uncos is working as hard as they can to get back out on track as soon as they can. But as of now, we do not have that car on the entry list. Uh, same thing with more speed. We do not yet have that ah. Audi back on the entry list. So this will be the third consecutive round that they have missed. The good news is, though, should we talk about some people who were back? Cause yes, that's please. more uplifting. Uh, hometown hero, and I say that literally from Sheboygan, James French is going to be yes. stepping into the Performance Tech LMP2 alongside Cameron Castles, which means that Kyle Masson will not be able to continue his pursuit of the LMP2 championship. So it'll be either Matthew McMurray or Cameron Castles taking that home at the end of October. Uh, Tommy Milner is supposed to be back in the number four Corvette oh, alongside really? Oliver Gavin. Excellent. Yep. Uh, they he thought at Lime Rock that his hand was healing well enough that he should be able to come back. So he might be doing reduced driving time. We'll wait and see. Uh, maybe he qualifies the car and does a minimum stint. But uh, if I know Tommy and, and how much he loves Road America, he'll be driving as much as he can. I noticed he also that, got Star uh, Wars. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, I, I noticed that Star Wars um, replied to a tweet that uh, IMSA Radio put out about the days counting down. And they retweeted that. So I thought, oh, that, that sounds promising. Yes, they are coming back. Now, they have been on every entry list because they did a full season um, entrant initially. So they were on the entry list for Canadian Tire and for uh, Watkins, uh, not Watkins Glen, excuse me, Lime Rock Park. Even though we knew they weren't going to be there, we are expecting to see them. So Ryan D. Allen Parker Chase back again this weekend. Uh, Porsche driver mix-up in terms of GTD. Matty Campbell will be switching over to FAF, <laughs> the Canadian team that won the last weekend. And Dennis Olsen, the winning driver from that team, is now going to be in the seat with Wright. What's the thing um, behind and, that? Do we know? Um, well, it was announced initially when they per- first said that the drivers were going to be joining the teams. They said that it was going to be one race per driver with the team. So I, I think they're maybe trying to mix it up a little bit, demonstrate to the teams what the drivers are capable of, mm. give them the option of working with multiple people. Okay. I, I'm not sure because Matt Campbell drives with Wright in World Challenge. So it, it could just be Porsche trying to see how fluid their drivers are. I noticed that uh, Ryan Hardwick and Corey Lewis are uh, listed as partners to Brian Sellers in the Paul Miller Racing yes. Lambo again. That's what they did at Lime Rock yeah. Park. That was the initial uh, symbol that Corey Lewis was going to be in that car. I think they're doing that out of safety for now to try and see just how Ryan Hardwick feels, how he's healing. And if need be, they can plunk Corey into the car. He'll be there anyway because he's running in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo Championship, points yeah. leader there. So it's good to have him on hand and have him on the entry list. We've also got uh, Bia back in the cat car with Cat. That was previously announced. There's a scheduling conflict for Christina Nielsen. She's going to be running in, oh, she told me it's somewhere in Asia, Thailand, maybe. Right. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Patrick Lindsay, not flying a plane. He was at Lime Rock. I talked to him on Saturday on race day, and I said, what are you doing here? I thought you were going to be flying a plane. I thought you weren't able to drive a race car. And he said, no, no, I, I was flying yesterday. I wouldn't have been able to do any of the practice sessions, but uh, – 
to be quite honest, now that I'm here and I'm feeling how hot it is, I'm glad I'm yeah. not in the car. So there was that. And we've also got the Lone Star shining again. Lone Star Racing back with their Mercedes AMG. So that'll be Lawson and Gar once more. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, now, Tim, do you want to ask you anything about sports cars or shall we move on to open wheel American racing? Not about American sports cars, no. No? Okay. Shall we move on to IndyCar then? Uh, yes, definitely. We went to Iowa. So the cornfields of Iowa. Uh, Nick, Nick was giving me the sound that I thought to wind up, and I looked at me watch to see if it was getting closer to cause No, he's just going round and round. round this and round. was the race that apparently didn't want to end, Cher, because uh, well, it, it didn't was, want to begin to start. It, with. it didn't want to start. Then it got started and it was stopped. And then, uh, I mean, and it went on till. Well, I, I was in the States, and uh, we were. We must have been back at the hotel down in uh, Waterbury. If and it I, hadn't been a Sunday, I'd have been having breakfast. Oh, that's right. It was a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So where was I watching that? No, you no, were it was in Saturday. Hotel. It was Saturday. It was a Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday night into Sunday morning, wasn't it? Yeah. And I just couldn't stay awake. I just couldn't stay awake. And no. I, watched, I watched about the first 10 or 15 minutes. It messed up the schedule for... The tape delay on the IMSA race, which a lot of people were upset about. Um, but I would have thought actually putting some racing in instead of just talking about raindrops was probably a reasonable thing to do from NBC SN. Um, finally got underway and uh, championship leader Joseph Newgarden won the race, but had to work pretty hard for it. Yeah, again, no pole sitter has won the race in Iowa. That's 13 years in a row. So they might want to rethink this whole qualifying during the day thing because it doesn't necessarily mean you have a strong car at night. But hey, uh, the rain delay happened. Um, It came with a red flag at lap 55. It was just under 30 minutes of rain delay then. But it was... um, not the most exciting of races. I'll, I'll be diplomatic in that. Joseph Newgarden led for 240 of the 300 laps. So he completely bossed the show. There, Penske, all three cars looked really strong. Uh, Will Power was taken out of contention when he was given a drive through penalty for an improper pit entry in which he almost smacked the wall. So uh, that was interesting. Oh, yes, and yeah. Paul I saw Trace that in the highlights, yeah. To think yeah, Paul, Paul seemed to think that it was hurting Will Power that he served his drive-through, and as he was exiting the pit lane, a yellow flag came out because Ed Carpenter smacked the wall, and Paul said, "Oh, this is really going to hurt Will Power's chances." And apparently, Twitter exploded and said, "No, this is helping him. They've gone to yellow. Everybody else is slowing down. This is good." But in any case, um, it was not a great race for Sage Karam, who had two weekends in a row that were not great. He had a spin on his own. And a crash to Kumasato when Sato was slowing down and Sage didn't notice. But all eyes were on Joseph Newgarden. And as right, they should be. He's got a huge championship lead now. 29 points over Rossi. 58 points over Simon Pagino. And 98 points over Scott Dixon. That is one heck of a performance from JoJo. Um, It's not all over, though. Of course it isn't. Uh, One bad race. That could... Well, disappear very quickly. And here's the interesting thing, and I, I promised you a bit of fun stats, John. They go to Mid-Ohio this weekend, mm. where Joseph Newgarden's average finishing position is 10.7. He's got seven starts there at the track. Now, when he's been with Penske, 
His average finish is 2.5, including a win in 2017. Alexander Rossi chasing him last year got his best ever finish, which was a win in which he dominated the race. He's only got three starts at the track, but his average finish is seventh. You go down to Simon Pagano, who's got eight IndyCar starts at the track. He won it in 2016. So all three guys in the top three of the championship are our last three race winners at Mid-Ohio. Pagano's worst finish was in 2013 and 11, in 2011, where he finished 13th. But he has four podiums. And his average finish is 5.4. But when you go to mid-Ohio, you can't help but focus on one driver. And who's that? Scott Dixon. Mm. 12 starts, 5 wins. His average finish is 5th at that track. So when you look at the numbers, Joseph Newgarden running with Pecky seems to be the magic trick. But how in the world do you count out Scott Dixon? So Scott Dixon is the winningest IndyCar driver at Mid Ohio. He's is, the most successful. Who? No, he's not <laughs> the most successful. He's the most wins. Right. Uh, who is That's second on that list? Uh, Dario Franchitti. No, Emerson Fittipaldi, three oh. wins. Wow! Wow! Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five. That's a good start. Six drivers who've all won it twice. Uh, right. Go on. Go through them. Uh, Michael Andretti, yep. Helio Castroneves, mm-hmm. Teo Fabi, Bobby yep. Rahal, Alonso Jr. and Alex Zanardi. Right. That's a stout. And yeah. how many previous winners are there in this year's race? Uh, one, two, six. three, four, five, six. I'll say seven. Uh, uh, which seven do you think they would be? Oh. Um, okay, I'm well. Obviously, the four I've already named: so Dixon, Pagano, Rossi, and Joseph. Yeah. Um, Bourdais. No. No. Ooh. Uh, I I don't know them. Bourdais's been on pole, but he's never won the race. So who's the others? Oh, that's How many were there? Uh, there were five. Graham oh. Rahal, the one you uh, didn't know, who won it in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Very good. Very good. So only, he could join his dad. That's that's, that's a Sunday race, isn't it? This weekend, yes. Right. Only twelve drivers have won from pole out of the. Is it thirty-five runnings we've had, mm. or thirty-four we've had so Something far? Like this that, will be the thirty-fifth. Yeah. 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 Um, most recently uh, was last year with Alex Rossi. Um, That's mm-hmm. interesting because you think of that track as a as a track position track, don't you? Um, <laughs> you know, it isn't easy to pass there. There's coming down the hill um, to turn five in front of the beach, and. Yeah. Sometimes you can get around going into the carousel and then at the top of the hill at the keyhole. Well, yeah. Six of those 12 wins from pole came in the first eight times that right. the race happened. Right. So wow. it's obviously a more recent phenomenon that people have uh, found a way to win without qualifying. Well, if that's, that's more about strategy well, and fuel consumption and tyre uh, yeah. usage and things like that rather than outright speed then. It's really turned into a fuel race the it last has. couple of uh, years. And and think back to Wickens chasing down Rossi last year. How brilliant that was. Mm. Uh, do you know who has the most starts at Mid-Ohio among the current uh, field? Tony Kanon? Yes, 17. Wow. That's wow. probably true of most courses we go to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of the current drivers, who has led the most laps? What uh, are you doing the commentary at the weekend? 
Have you been doing your stats pack? Well, I'm assuming that uh, the digging that uh, Shay referred to came from the same press release that IndyCar sent to me, but she uh. obviously has actually been digging herself. No, but no. Not no, as, no, not no, as that deeply was all, as... Uh, all the digging she did was for Rhoda Marika. No, I, I did some digging into to IndyCar earlier. I, I did a little bit of um, adding and averaging, and I, I tried to use my arithmetic skills. Um, uh, Dixon? Yeah, 223 laps led. Will Power 113. Jesse Newgarden 78. Wow. Rossi 66. Bourdais 38. Pagano 37. Hunter Ray 33. Hinchcliffe 30. Rahal 26. Tony Knan 13. Rahal 26. Jeez, for 17 starts. That's not very good for Tony Knan. No. So he knows Ooh. the place like the back of his hand. It's just like he, he doesn't, doesn't really know his like hand the very well. He just can't remember which hand it is. <laughs> his left hand or his right hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got some uh, rookies, people who've never been to Mid Ohio before as well. Right? Who? Uh, Marcus Erickson, who's mm-hmm. never been to Mid Ohio. Right. Uh, Santino Ferrucci. Mm-hmm. Felix Rosenquist. Colton Herter. And one rookie who's not a rookie. Right. R.C. Ennison. Oh, yeah. He no, raced at Mid-Ohio in 2016. But he's back again yeah. because he hasn't raced an IndyCar since, I don't think. I think you're correct. Isn't Mid-Ohio a home race for him? It or is, Close yes. to it. Hmm. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Tony Kanaan will start his 313th consecutive race this weekend. If he does. Please. If he starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's still 57 away from the all-time consecutive starts leader. Do Sorry. we think he'll get there? Uh, probably not. He's 37 away, so he's not 57. Uh, you listen to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, we've got Cher Adam on the line. She's talking American sport. Just a quick word whilst we're on uh, the... Uh, with our American and our Miami Grand Prix correspondent, you've just tweeted a picture of the Hard Rock Stadium and that, just showing how far it is from downtown Miami. That's a long way. Yeah, and that was just when we were landing the other day, John, on Sunday we were coming in well, and that's I went, your oh, there's picture. the stadium. Excellent, oh. well done. Yeah, yeah. I went, oh, look, there's the stadium and there's there's downtown way well is that actually down? oh yeah 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 it is so distance. yeah i just wanted to give everybody a, a bit of a visual of just how far they are and throw in traffic means that that could very easily be an hour drive <gasps> really i took a photo oh, yeah. of my house from a plane uh, a couple of weeks ago really yes but not when i was coming into land at the airport that's quite near my house but one that's on the f- other side of london what heathrow yes that's un- unusual to go across the top of your house going into Heathrow. No, all the Heathrow planes go oh, to the top of my house, yes. Okay, I'll have to start looking. Oh, Don't need to be on the left-hand left side or the right-hand side. You'll need to be on the right-hand side uh, if you're coming from anywhere except Northern Europe. Well, it 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 all depends which way the wind's blowing, doesn't it? Because you'll be, you'll be coming in the same way. Well, no, you'll be coming in from the southwest and then you'll do a dog leg left ah i see what you mean so whereas I if need you're coming be, from northern the, europe you'll come from the northeast so be, it's before the left turn over the o2 is it yes right because the, the i'm sure they use the o2 as a like a big roundabout in the sky so oh, it's yeah, a absolutely. little bit earlier than that yeah right okay that's fine uh 
do we need Shea for anything more? Shall, shall we leave we, her we and get her back? We may come back to Shea uh, later, but uh, we don't need her for the next couple of things. All right, Shea, thank you for the moment. Stand by in case we need you later okay. on. Shea Adam joining us uh, live from Fort Lauderdale. She's back at home and uh, fantastic news about all those... Uh, uh, entries for Road America which is not this weekend but next weekend and we'll start with a special midweek motorsport next week from Elkhart Lake Wisconsin uh, and also don't forget it is the traditional state of the series where Scott Atherton uh, and I actually I, I don't think we need Scott Atherton this year I think I'll just do it myself I'll, I'll, well I'll if you're going to do it yourself can you do it slightly earlier uh, <laughs> I, I think it might there's a whole gap between the end of the Racing. previous session and right. the start of it. That's to get everybody where they need to be, I suppose. But the movement. I'll thing. see. I'll see what I. I'll see what I could do. But that's on Friday, isn't it? That's on Friday, that uh, the state of the series, and uh, we'll do our best to cover that live as we've done in in years past as well. Right, just after nine o'clock, it's Midweek Motorsport Series 14, uh, episode number 28, and here is what is still to come. Midweek Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Uh, we'll have more of your We'll have more of your Twitter in the second half. At Spec Utainment, please. Uh, let's have your uh, thoughts on what we've been talking about in the first half of the programme. Uh, that would be really good. Uh, particularly interested in what you think about the new Formula One regulations. Uh, we'll also have a bit more with Nick as we'll be talking two wheels. Johnny Palmer is joining us live from Barcelona to talk WEC and some regulation changes there. Uh, and don't forget, after the show tonight, Johnny's back with part two of the Prologue programme. But next, it's the big interview. And this one is a cracker. Kerry Cobb with a motorcycling icon. That's next on Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Catching up with Shane Shaky Burns, six times BSB champion, the most successful rider ever in the series. Shaky, it's been just over a year since your life changed drastically. Let's just before we, we're not going to dwell on it, but can you just talk us through what happened? Yeah, I mean, it was the it was the seventeenth of May last year. We were here at the official BSB test, and um, I'd gone out. You know, looking forward to it. I love this track. Um, you know, I've been very successful here, and I think eight of the last ten times I've been at the track, I'd won. So obviously, to to come here and test, I was I was super excited about it. But um, you know, I I ran off the track and uh, ran out of room and, and and had quite a bad accident. And uh, yeah, from from then on in, it was just uh, yeah, it was a tough day at the office. That's putting it mildly. You is it safe for me to say you nearly died out there? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's hard to um, to, to stand here now. It's my first time back since uh, since the accident, and driving in the circuit today was a bit of a, a mixed emotion thing because I come here wanting to to win races. You know, I'm still I'm still the racer, but I, I'm coming here to to work for Eurosport and talk about everybody else racing, which is which is kind of hard to deal with. But at the same time, I guess. You know, if there were if there were two jobs in in this kind of world, then uh, if you can't do one of them, which is actually ride the bike, then talking about it's quite good fun. It comes second, doesn't it? Really, how are you coping with not racing though? I find it really difficult. Um, 
Honestly, one of the one of the hardest things has been that uh, I'm not supposed to be training. Uh, I'm not allowed to train at the moment, and obviously, I've spent the last kind of twenty odd years of my of my life, you know, trying to be in in peak condition and and to be as fit and strong as possible to you know to do the job that that I've done, you know, for so long. So. You know, to, to have to kind of switch off and, and, and turn into somebody that can't train and, and just kind of walks around and talks around. I find myself constantly sort of squeezing my stomach thinking, oh, my God, you need to go on a diet. But, you know, my, you're I turning think, into a woman. Well, my, my body's my, my body's been so used to you know every morning get up and go and do something and burn a load of calories and then you know eat whatever you wanted to eat and and fuel yourself properly for the for the next exercise session but the problem is now those exercise sessions aren't coming um so i yeah. just feel like i'm getting i'm not but i feel like no, i'm getting faster you're not is it a relief in a way though it was was that regime very very strict i wouldn't say it was very strict i'd say that i um, I think I had a really good understanding of my own body. Um, you know, I knew when I felt good on the bike. You know, everybody um, thinks about racing and, and thinks about weight. You know, ultimately, it's all about being as light as possible. But you know, I've been uh, I've been in different different areas of the spectrum. You know, I've been super light before um, and found that it didn't work for me on the race bike because I simply didn't have the strength to, to muscle the thing around. No matter how much you do. You know, from a weight training perspective, if you're if you're too light and too flimsy, you you can't muscle one of these bikes around. Mm. So I found a weight that I was happy at. I could perform well, could cycle well, could train well, could gym well. Mm. You know, um, it, it just worked for me. But uh, although I'm probably only about three or four kilos over it, I feel like thirty or forty <laughs> kilos over it. Yeah, no, that actually makes sense. Um, you've said that long term you would like to get back to racing. Is that still the case? Yeah, I, I listen. The, at the end, at the moment, for me, the the door's wide open. I think the the difficult thing in life for me in general at the moment is it's like I feel like I'm just kind of killing time, you know, because the next uh, the next scan for me or the next revision with my doctor is in September, and you know, back in February or whatever, when he kind of gave me a not not the best of news and sort of said oh you know you know you're not really healing nothing's really working or whatever you need a bit more time come back in six months six months felt like the end of the world away you know but the problem is now you know we're in the we're in the middle of july and september's not far away at all and i still don't really feel that much different to what i felt back in february physically so uh, all of a sudden I'm starting to get a little bit anxious and thinking to myself, well, hold on a minute, you know, I've got like another, another month or so at best, um, you know, how are we going to feel at the end of that month? And, and fingers crossed the answer will be a lot better, but uh, yeah, we'll see. So basically you're itching to get back on the bike. <laughs> well, I, you know what, I, I'm itching for it to be my to be my choice I'm itching for some kind of clarification because you know uh, it's like it's like approaching a crossroads but not knowing which way to go um, there is no straight on and it's like left is kind of you know you're not physically well enough to do it again and right is uh, you are but I don't know which way I've got to go and that's not me trying to not tell you that's that's me not knowing myself and that must be really difficult for you because you're a winner. You're a, you're you're a professional winner. You need to know. You need to know your goals, don't you? Yeah, I think I think you've always I've always been in control of my own destiny. Mm. At the end of the day, you know, I I chose to do this job, 
Um, I know, I fully understand, I fully appreciate the risks involved with the job and, you know, should I be 100% fit and, and as good as I was before the accident in terms of my in terms of my body, I wouldn't have any reservation in getting back on a bike again, that's for sure. Um, is that going to be the case in September? That's the bit I don't know and that's why it's so difficult because there's just, <laughs> there's no direction at the moment. Wow. Well, the direction you have at the moment is um, from your colleagues at Eurosport. They're looking after you. How are you enjoying that? I um, I really enjoy it. I think that uh, you know that there's there's only a, a few jobs in this paddock that I'd want to do, and this is certainly one of the ones that's that's high on the top of my priorities. Um, you know, it's almost been like uh, like a little bit of an apprenticeship, if you like, because you know. I, I'm not going to lie, I, I've kind of watched James Whittam and, and Matt Roberts, James Hayden maybe, all kind of walking around the pits at times when the conditions haven't been favourable and you're sat there and you're stressed and there's a pressure of, you know, needing to perform and having to win and looking at them guys just kind of walking up and down pit lane talking to everyone thinking what a cool job that is. But um, actually it doesn't quite work like that and they do make me come in at like 8 o'clock in the morning and <laughs> they do actually make me work, um, which, which I'm very alien to to but um yeah it's been like a, it's been like a really nice um, apprenticeship and i get on really well with everybody in the, in the eurosport team which obviously makes it a lot more pleasant and, and comes across beautifully as well yeah and i think i think for that reason you know in some ways it's almost like a, a little bit of destiny calling you know it's like this this is like the the perfect introduction to life after racing should life take me in that direction but it's almost like uh you you don't want to dip your toe in too far in case that life comes true and you can't get back on your bike so i've got like two little monkeys on my shoulders fighting with each other one saying come on you know we should go and jump in at this full speed and the other one saying no no hold on we're going to be fixed everything's going to be fine and you know we can get on and, and try and win some more races oh i hope so you've tested a touring car are you tempted to switch from I know the answer to this already. Are you tempted to switch from two to four? When you say you know the answer to that already, was that because of the look on my face? Um, <laughs> you know what, the funny thing is, I actually would like to, to have a bit more of a go in a, in a car, but I'm not ready to give up on bikes yet. Um, you know, you, you can ask my mum, since I was like five or six years old, all I've ever dreamt of being is a motorbike racer, so I've had a very fortunate life, and you know, I've, I've managed to successfully avoid a normal job for the last 20 odd years. So, um, you know, in the perfect case scenario, that, that, that life won't be over just yet, but um, who knows, maybe one day another, another run out in a car would be good. I was going to say, what does the future hold for you, but you've pretty much summed it up. Yeah, no. I, I listen. I don't think. Um, I don't think that there's a. You know, don't get me wrong. I'd love to be Lewis Hamilton and and, and make Formula One money or whatever. But I don't think there's a, a kind of living to be made, uh, from what I understand, in in something like British touring cars for for somebody like myself. Um, you know, even the guys that are winning week in week out don't actually get a salary for doing so. You know, they get prize money and bonuses and stuff. But. Yeah, I think uh, I think the touring car world's a lot a lot different to uh, to perhaps being at the top of your game in in superbike if you like. But um, you know, the racer in me wants to race, and uh, you know if, if that race for now is uh, running back across the thing here to go to the TV compound to carry on with Eurosport or, or getting back on a superbike, I'm not yet sure. But uh, one way or another, we'll be we'll be doing something. One way or another, you will be doing it to the best of your ability, and that's what we love you for. Thank you so much for this. No problem at all.
So that was Kez Corbin, our big interview this week. Shaky Byrne on the occasion of him returning to Snetterton for the first time after that big accident last year. And he is pretty good yeah, on, on the team. He's, he brings a, a different dimension to it, to be honest. Very annoyingly talented. Mm. Um, he's been, he was tweeting this week about um, a big announcement coming up and what's going to happen next. So I think he's always do that cryptic thing they do. All signed, sealed, delivered, but can't announce it yet. So uh, interesting. Uh, uh, Superbikes was at Snetterton at the weekend. Nick, what went on? Uh, Scott Redding. Is that all you're saying about he's that? Got the, he's got the hang of British Superbikes and he's now... Basically, he's doing Alvaro Bautista really at this point now, so let's see if it all goes horribly <laughs> wrong again. But oh, uh, really? he's now winning and he's, he's got a 38-40 uh, point lead over Tommy Bridewell. And obviously, he has now got enough points and enough podiums to make the uh, chase the race the cup for the thing at the back end of the season anyway but he's now just obviously the more podiums you get the, the better head start you have but yes. he has looked very very good uh, on the bike um, now because the thing remember he doesn't know the circuits he's never raced in the UK or hasn't for years and years and years he's done that he did, his entire career was done doing uh, the uh, MotoGP path he's uh, nearly 40 points clear of Tommy Bridewell mm-hmm. who's having uh, probably his best ever season would you say that Nick? Well, it's three Ducatis at the top, so it looks like that that's you know the Ducati is the bike to have at the moment. Um, you know, there's no cat there. The first Kawasaki's in fifth. Um, obviously, they lost um, Leon Haslam, their top rider, uh, over the course of the year, and then you've got um, Honda, BMW, Honda, BMW, Suzuki. So, I think if we'd started this instead of one, it'd be one Kawasaki in the top ten, that would have been the biggest surprise of all. Not that Scott Redding's leading, or, or not perhaps that we've seen some good performances this year from Tara McKenzie. Hmm. Uh, and uh, Peter Hickman, as you'd expect, just hovering around the bubble on the uh, chase well, places. He's in seventh, but he's 20 points back. Um, yes. And and it's hard to get 20 points when you're you know, trying to come fifth or fourth rather than outright first for the 25 points. But it's um, yeah. I mean, I think I think the 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 race of the chase certainly gives a bit of extra frisson because you yeah it, it all resets and and because the the lunar races people have to stay on the bike. Uh, they're off to Thruxton next, aren't they? That's not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, Oof. 4th of August, they'll be going very, very, very fast. Very, very, very fast. Very, 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 very fast. <laughs> and and bouncing around a lot. Yes. And then all trying to overtake each other into the, chica- into the chicane. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff from Kerry Cobb. Uh, I'll begin with you. This week uh, was Shane Shaky Bird, and we wish him the best in whatever... He does. Where would we? Where would you like to go next, Tim? I'd like to go to the outside of a car rental uh, establishment in the uh, <laughs> Catalonia region. Okay. I bet that hurts. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's not that one, no. Again, say good evening to Johnny Palmer, JP. How are you, mate? I'm alright, thank you, John. How are you? Oh, right, you're a bit loud. Hang on a minute. Let's I think, just trim I think you. you probably should have listened to that before you. Uh, well, hello. I don't think John budgeted for that volume. <laughs> dear, dear. Right, uh, yeah. How, yes. <laughs> how have you enjoyed uh, the the uh, the week at Barcelona? I mean, first of all, we should talk about the ELMS race, which sort of kicked off the second half of that and the Le Mans Cup season. That was. Um, Friday and Saturday, and the, the main race going going into the darkness, quite a spectacle at the Circuit of Catalonia, JP. It certainly was, and I don't think they've done that uh, since the Le Mans series days. So certainly in the in the modern history of the ELMS, a, a first. 
um, back to Barcelona for the first time in 10 years. And I think that was part of the decision just to try and take the very top edge of the temperature uh, away mm. to, I mean, it was still blooming hot though, even at half 10 at night when everyone's stepping out of the cars, just a, a sort of sweaty messes, a lot of them. Uh, but I think they enjoyed it. Uh, it, it was a good race. Uh, certainly in the, in the middle section, in the end, dominated. As soon as Jean-Éric Vern got on board the G-Drive car, I mean, he's riding the crest of a wave currently, having been crowned uh, back-to-back Formula E champion only the weekend before. And that G-Drive car just looked to be on rails. Uh, won the race by a clear lap. I mean, you don't often see that in an ELMS round wow. after just four hours. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't realised so. that. I hadn't realised that. I, was, I watched about the last... 15 minutes um, when I was at Lime Rock and um, obviously I, I couldn't have the sound up so I was kind of glancing across to watch it and um, it, that car looked good, Jeff looked great but I hadn't realised he'd, he'd put a lap on the field in a four hour race, that was uh, that was pretty impressive. Was there a crowd there JP? Uh, to an extent, yes. I mean, the problem with Barcelona is they've got so many places to, to fill out and uh, Grand Prix obviously do. But even if you've got a good sort of five or six thousand people in, which I don't, I'm not even sure we hit that mark, but it, it can get lost because around that final sector, you know, mm. there, there's thousands of seats and i think certainly the main grandstand was open there's a cracking grandstand which has a sort of elevated walkway right across the paddock yes. which i utilized for the evening practice session because um, that gains you access to the grandstand that overlooks turn 10 uh, which has various different configurations they were using the shortened version oh, so right. hard on the brakes after that right hand kink at nine you arrive very quickly indeed particularly the prototypes. They've got to be cautious of GT cars. We had loads of overtaking down there, plenty of people overshooting as well. And then that grandstand gives you a good view of the of the final bit of the circuit, which is this, the chicane, and then that run through the final corner onto the long straight. But um, I think they did okay for a crowd. Uh, it, it was free entry again, and you paid 10 euros to access the paddock. So no question about accessibility as far as uh, ELMS is concerned. Um, the... Uh... So that was the weekend. Uh, then the WEC have come to town for a bit of prologue. Now you've done a couple of programmes, so I don't want to, um, I don't want to preempt uh, tonight or indeed spoil it for anybody who's uh, been listening. But you, you uh, concentrated JP for the first one on the GTE side of things, which uh, there's there's not exactly an embarrassment of riches in GTE in the in the pro section at least for WEC this year. Mm. There isn't, sadly. I mean, yeah, staring at an entry list now, actually, as I talk to you, and uh, blindingly obvious is the is the absent four GTs and a couple of BMW M- M8s that only appeared for one one year, effectively, of the WEC. One um, season, yeah. Aston, one, one season, yes. Um, Aston, just with the 97 car, because after Marco Sorensen's huge crash at Le Mans, the 95 is still in build back at Banbury. Uh, and they're going to obviously get that ready for Silverstone. But they just cycled through there. Uh, it's the same lineup. So the 97 will be Alex Lynn and Maxime Martin, and then the Dane train for the 95. Marco Sorensen, who is back to full fitness now, and he was doing plenty of laps um, after he, he limped away from that crash uh, in the night time, wasn't it, at Le Mans? And Nicky team as well. But uh, it was only Sorensen who sort of put in a, a lot of time with the other three having to shoot to spar relatively quickly for a race meeting there this weekend. Um, 
not the best planning, I have to say. And, and it would have been worse as well. It would have been worse as well had the prologue not been actually pushed back in further at the start of the week. It would have actually been a full overlap, wouldn't it? Uh, the uh, WEC deciding to move it back. And, and in, in fact, before we go any further, we should say that the other big news coming out of the WEC paddock uh, at Barcelona is the uh, moving of the date of the spa race in this effectively school year or soccer season uh, season of, of racing so uh, it avoids a clash with formula e yes so that was initially a second of may saturday race mm. so that's going to move forward now to the to the 24th of april with qualifying on the 23rd of april on the friday so yeah there are th- there are now two clashes there were three um gerard Navo fairly confident that some arrangement can be reached regarding the Bahrain race on the 14th of December, which is due to be an eight-hour race in the Middle East, but uh, at the moment, there is due to be a Formula E meeting that weekend. The one that nobody seems to be able to get past is uh, is the Sebring weekend, because yeah. that's part of an IMSA WeatherTech sports car weekend as well, so you can't move that. And equally, I don't think Formula E are going to either, so Mexico, by the looks of things... Are they? I didn't know that bit. Okay, yeah. right. We, we so saw the 20th the, of Sorry, Johnny. We, we saw the uh, Sebring race this year happen towards the middle of the week almost uh, with the race on the Friday. Um, so would that give the drivers enough time Ooh. if it was earlier on the Friday to do the race at Sebring and then fly to Mexico for Formula E? I don't know about whether when is the race for mm. Formula E. Is that a Saturday or a Sunday race? I, it's a I single day event, isn't it? A single day event Formula E. So that's a good point. And, and yeah, Scott Apart Atherton. From the doubleheader at the end of the year. Yeah, the, uh, Scott Atherton um, saying to us at Sebring, uh, and in the follow-up uh, in Midweek Motorsport a couple of weeks after that, that they had learned some lessons and that it was unlikely to start as late on a Friday again. So that's that's interesting. That's very interesting. I know you discussed part of that on the, the first show. If you haven't heard that, it's, it's on the front page, radiolamont.com. Uh, and there's more to come from Johnny uh, and the prologue uh, at Barcelona. In, in, uh, in fact, following this programme. So a lot more interviews, a lot more talking to people around the paddock. Um, did you manage to get a word um, with anybody about the, the, the new regulations and the equalisation of technology? I spoke to Mike Conway about it. I spoke to um, Lawrence Tomlinson of Janetta and also one of his drivers and uh, a quick word with uh, somebody at Rebellion as well. Oh, now, they, they've all been part of the conversations with Vincent bowman Neal's team. He's the sporting director at the World Endurance Championship. I find it fascinating that Gerard Navone is now publicly calling this a transition season that's kind of what we call the super season on the radio show limited network and he says oh this is this is is the transition year to get us to hypercar so it's almost like he's sort of writing it off before we've even started that's That's the suggestion i get transition season two two. transition seasons yes exactly (laughs) exactly so now talk of janetta there though you mentioned janetta and and is that is some of that in the show tonight johnny the, the the second part tonight 
Yeah, I had a really good chat with Lawrence, actually. He gave me about 15 minutes. Um, right. The backstory of Janetta and the fact that, you know, we had them for Le Mans last year and then no more. Uh, and, and then beyond. I won't give too much away, but oh, um, he's, he's very excited. Um, and then uh, Charlie Robertson, uh, I had a chat with him as well because he, he hasn't got a drive confirmed yet, nor is nor is Mike Simpson. But I, I feel like, you know, those guys have put in so many hours, so many years with Janetta now that they... That they could be rewarded with a, a full season drive. We'll wait and see. Uh, uh, Tim, I think, has a follow-up question on Jeanette. It was good to see them there, at least. And Team mm. LNT, uh, obviously, you're not really allowed to have a manufacturer's teams there, and that is effectively the manufacturer team. But um, I don't think that matters if we get a couple of cars. Tim, what do you want to know? I was just going to say, uh, Johnny and I, we've known Charlie Robertson since he was 14, 15, mm. which, to be fair, wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Um, but still <laughs> eight years or so. Uh, and he's obviously a Scottish racing driver, but one who spent nearly all of his life in London until he got the Janetta uh, factory contract a couple of years ago. And it strikes me, listening to him now, that he spent far too much time in Leeds. <laughs> really? Does he sound like a Yorkshireman, does he? Johnny? Well, there are there are odd words where you can still quite obviously spot the Scottish accent. Um, he wasn't uh, he he didn't break out with a, a verse of Ilkley Moore Bar Tat, for instance. Um, but but yes, drinking Yorkshire tea, obviously, and um, hanging around Guy Smith as well. Who I mean, Guy had a drive with Janetta. I tell you, they they've got some good people. They haven't announced a driver lineup yet, but. Um, Here's the list that we're testing the cars today and yesterday. Matthias Besch, Yegor Rudchev from SMP, who has proven to be, I think, the fastest that SMP had before they decided to pack things in for this season. Stefan Rikelmi, Stefan Sarazan, Guy Smith, and Luca Chiotto, who won a GP2 race at Silverstone a few weeks ago. So, I mean, will will the drivers come from those? We'll wait and see. But they were all publicly on an entry list to be uh, to be testing today and yesterday. So... They could go very well. The Janettas, the G60s, were fastest through certainly one of the speed traps by about eight kilometres per hour, faster than the Toyotas and faster than Rebellions as well. So there's nothing wrong with the straight line speed. Uh, And that AER engine, um, it can do a 24 because it proved it last month in the back of an SMP. So, uh, you know, we might be in a situation with this change of EOT rules which is going to affect I mean it's going to affect lots of things and it's all down to the the gaps in points in the championship so Mm. for instance if you go to the next round of the championship with a seven point lead then they multiply various factors to do with weight and to do with uh, fuel um, turbo boost and Pascal Vassalon from Toyota reckoned it's it's equivalent it's kind of equivalent to about 0.006 of a second per championship point so if you've got a seven point lead you might have and you then i think you do some calculation according to the track length as well because obviously different circuits mean different advantages and disadvantages but even a seven point lead will mean a a drop off in pace by two tenths of a second right per lap so uh, per lap yeah so i mean you know all may not agree with this type of racing but it's going to make it interesting i think by the end of the year we will have had a different winner from toyota at at least one of the races do you think do you think it'll be it'll be that noticeable to you and then and yeah. toyota don't have that yeah, much in hand 
Because the bigger your lead gets, if you get to yes. 20 and 30 points lead, then all of a sudden you're looking at a second difference. And and the other encouraging thing for, for the, the whole of the season, and particularly Le Mans next year, is gone, is gone are the ideas of Toyota doing 11 laps compared to the privateers. Everyone's going to be on the same number of laps. Yeah. And everyone's going to be on the same length of pit stop time. So Toyota's advantage because they put less fuel in, that's gone. And the fact that they can start so quickly from a pit stop because of the electrical milk flow power, uh, they're going to equalise that as well. So except of course, like kind of, except of course, JP yeah. Le Mans doesn't have that new EOT. They're going to. It go doesn't back- have the EOT. No. You're right, because the, the the risk there is that people are going to go slow at Sebring and slow at Spa yeah. for a beneficial EOT at Le Mans. So that's not going to happen. However, they have said that they're going to equalise the field regarding pit stops. So uh, the stint lengths are going to be the same and any advantages that Toyota have in the pit stops evaporate. Uh, and, and I take it they're talking about doing that as they did Le Mans just passed. There's not actually going to be a mandated amount of laps like there was... Um, a couple of Le Mans ago. They're just going to do that on fuel tank size and, and stuff like that because there, there wasn't yeah, actually anything yeah, written into so. the rules as, as Paul and I discussed a number of times. I, I mean, obviously something's got to be done until the, the new cars turn up. So otherwise, they're going to continue to 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 lose uh, entrance. Any word on how many cars Rebellion are actually going to run? I worry that it's going to be one for the whole season. Yeah. It's certainly one for Silverstone. Uh, there were two there for both days. And I know for a fact that Nat Berton uh, had had laps in both. Uh, Gustavo Menezes certainly drove both. And again, that's another team that haven't yet firmed up any of their drivers yet. But I I, I don't know. I, it, I think this the EOT needs to kick in quickly. And those involved... At Rebellion, uh, their CEO is Kalim uh, Buhadra and Bart Hayden, still with an involvement, of course, as well. But I think they need to be convinced very early on in the season that it, it, there is a chance to win a race and that might coax the second car out. But I, I actually think they also need some drivers with some backing as well because funds are starting to run a little low at Rebellion. Mm. Uh, what was the general feeling in the i mean the alms looked great it really did look good i like the race and i watched a bit of the le mans cup as well uh the paddock looked great what was the, what was the feeling in the atmosphere uh, in the wec paddock because it's easy you know it, it's easy for us uh, and and some of our listeners to look and say you know there's not a lot of good news coming out of there at the moment but really i mean 30 cars is still 30 cars it's not as many as we would have liked for silverstone but it's only a four-hour race um and you know as a world championship, there's still plenty to get excited about there. But but I'm interested to know what the sort of general general synopsis is. Uh, not the shipping forecast here, but the the general synopsis is for the uh, for the the feeling and the atmosphere in the paddock, JP. I think generally it's a feeling of anticipation. Um, yeah. I do think I do think the timing of the prologue was wrong in the you know we're only a month on from Le Mans so nobody's really had any time off yet and that can be uh, that will be addressed for 2020 I think Gerard Nevo has almost you know gone on record to say we need a prologue more attuned to I, I mean at, at Ricard uh, the start of this year we had an ELMS prologue attached to then a race meeting at the end of the week so why could we not have that for the first round of the Ooh. WEC in future years. I mean, there's a question mark as to whether that could happen at Silverstone. 
I don't see why not because they'll probably find some vacancy somewhere in the week. But yeah, it, it, it needs a bit of time for everyone to digest and to focus on the new season. And teams have found that tough as well, turning cars around, yes. and uh, particularly if they've, they've got brand new cars, uh, like a lot of the GTE AM teams have now, because they've got access to uh, the Ferrari. 488 Evo and the brand new Aston Vantage now, yeah, which looks great by the way in in uh, the Aston Martin racing colours, which is the, the, the 98 car that runs in AM, very similar to 95 and 97, but the TF Sport Aston, glorious in a kind of deep red colour. Mm. Uh, just a shame we didn't see that running much because Tom Ferry wasn't even on site for for either of the days again because of the clashes. Uh, but yeah, excitement. I think there's a question of let's wait and see what the top class brings i think i think uh the interest is still very high at lmp2 level and we've got eight cars for the season they're big changes at united autosports because they've moved to orica from mm. ligier had a, a very in-depth conversation with richard dean regarding the, the process and a little bit of the politics regarding that change and phil hansen as well one of his drivers um a, a, a gte pro just feels very empty. Mm. Uh, I still think we've got a good fight between six cars, but um, yeah, there's, there's definitely something missing there. But Am is promising because yeah, there are eleven is. cars, and we got we got two Team Project One cars now. They're the win they're the winners of Le Mans, legit, mm. because of course Keating Motorsport disqualified, and they're bringing two cars to the party next season. I think you might find you get um, Mr. Keating might drop into uh, a race or two uh, for this season. That'd be good. Um, Spa next year, maybe in the lead up to Le Mans. And yeah, Sebring, Sebring Spa and Le Mans would be my guess um, mm-hmm. for for Ben with the uh, with with the Ford GT. Um, just before we let you go, I, I know you did do a bit, you did have a bit of time off early in the week, and you did manage to get up to Montjuic and the Olympic Park, mm. which of course is the old home of the the Barcelona Grand Prix. How did you enjoy that? Oh, fantastic! I... I love street circuits and I love I love tracks with elevation change and that has got in Spade Falls and I you can overlay the old track map on top of your uh, favourite map supplier you know and I just I just walked and I thought this would be so good as even as a kind of touring car race now TCR race or something oh yeah um, I mean I don't think it'll ever happen and to be rejuvenated and unfortunately there are still horrible memories of what happened in 1975 yes. which eventually made the decision that, that, that they would never go back there but um there is a little uh sort of uh, what would you call it uh, there, there's, there's a display in sort of bronze yeah. showing that this this is monduic park mm-hmm. uh here are all the winners of the four grand yes. prix and so many motorcycle winners as well yes. i think that went on into the late 80s 1988 possibly yeah no memorial to the five spanish fans who were killed in 75 oh, which really? is very disappointing Un- unlike yeah, when we were I, at Bruno, which uh, and that the, the memorial of Bruno, i find very very touching which had uh, I know. The, the you know the remembrance of the the two um Czech fans that that were were killed there. Um, where are you off to tomorrow? I am in Barcelona all day. Mm. Uh, I've I've been to the track three times now, but I've never actually explored the city centre. So oh, I'm going to do job. that. All right, JP. Listen, Thank thanks. Uh, we've got Johnny coming up uh, after tonight's show with uh, that second program from the prologue. Lots more interviews. You heard a little bit about that there. It's worth listening. If you haven't heard the first one, it's already on the front page. JP, enjoy. Thanks very much for joining us, mate. That's a pleasure, John. See you soon. 
Delighted to say joining us now on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, one of my colleagues from the IMSA paddock is Tony Laporta, who's going to give us a bit of a, a rundown as to the 2019 battery tender Global MX5 Cup presented by BF Goodrich, which on its own is a, a quite a long title. Uh, we'd be halfway through the race if you had to say that too many times, Tony. Good evening. Yeah, John, uh, happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. I hope you and Eve are doing well after a very hot weekend at uh, Lime Rock Park. But, uh, yeah, happy to be on. Uh, we're heading into the second half of the season this weekend in a, in a, a series that's been a, traditionally a pretty good breeding ground for, for young talent. Where, where, where does the second half of the season kick off? Yeah, John, so things are going to get going uh, in just a few days at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course over in Lexington, uh, obviously a place that uh, we went with uh, IMSA back in May, obviously a phenomenal racetrack, uh, and that's where we're going to kick off the second half of 2019. And a perfect place for the MX-5s. Uh, I spent a, a full day uh, earlier this week, uh, thanks to Mazda in the UK, uh, driving all models of the MX-5 right back to 1989 it's the 30th anniversary of that car it's a car that is raced extensively uh, in the uh, u.s many of uh, our u.s listeners will know them as miatas and, uh, and other places around the world as well now we used to have them on the on the imza uh on the imza card uh, but for a couple of three seasons now it's uh, it's been sanctioned by indycar how's that been going Oh, it's been phenomenal. I'm very fortunate to say that uh, working as the series announcer for the Global MX-5 Cup, uh, it's it's been phenomenal work with the folks from IndyCar, who obviously have a, a, an incredibly strong foothold uh, in managing races here in the United States. Uh, and that all came about, if you will, thanks to Anderson Promotions. They are the promotional body that uh, puts on and manages the events, Global MX-5 Cup races, uh, and folks that keep an eye on motorsport here in the United States states might recognize anderson promotions from their work promoting what was formerly the mazda road to indy now uh, is just the road to indy <laughs> um and dan and michelle uh anderson do a just a, a top-notch job at, at putting on uh junior level motorsports events uh, of course the road to indy is designed to get uh open wheel drivers through the ranks and up to indy car and then it's the same it's the same process at the global mx5 cup thanks to john dune and, and the folks at mazda motorsports partnered with anderson promotions and then with assistance from indy car actually putting on the on-track product uh the global mx5 cup is is Mazda's Road to 24. That's what the program is called, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's designed to promote young. Uh, it's not exclusive to North American-born race car drivers. Uh, people come from all over the mm. world to compete in the series. But the idea that Mazda uh, and Anderson and IndyCar have is to develop and produce the next 24-hour endurance sports car racing uh, driver. And so uh, that's what uh, Anderson Promotions does. They bring IndyCar sanctioning along to run the races. That means Brilliant. we get uh, IndyCar race director Kyle Novak officiating our races wow. uh, as well as as well as uh, stewards Max Pappas. Uh, so it's it's a really loaded uh, event when you go to an MX5 Cup race. John. Uh, 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 with that kind of uh, that kind of talent in the uh, in race control, and Max knows all the tricks. He's probably pulled most of them himself down through the years, so nobody's going to get away with very much. And we know from seeing these cars race in the past, and in fact, I, I raced a um, MX-5 uh, 
Global Cup car uh, here in the UK, and I had a, a go of the new car when it came out at, at Atlanta a couple of years ago. Uh, but there's a bit mm-hmm. of a difference this year uh, in t- because we're seeing two different classes on track at the same time. So it's it's properly multi-class sports car racing. Yeah, exactly. And that's something uh, that I always like to remind people during the broadcasts of these Global MX5 Cup races, because obviously, uh, you know, you and I are coming over from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Mm -hmm. Championship, where that's, you know, heads up, true multi-class sports car racing. Well, MX5 Cup is the same thing this year. Uh, It's the ND1 uh, and the ND2. Uh, And essentially, to put it in layman's terms, the ND1 is the uh, older generation uh, Mazda MX5 Cup car. And then the ND2 is the more modernized version being built uh, over the offseason between 2018 and 2019. And then just a few of the key differences when you really break down those cars, it really kind of just gets down to the engine bay. In front of the firewall, the older generation ND1 cars, their engines are putting out about 155 horsepower. uh, And the red line on those was just at about 6,800 RPM. uh, And then they amped everything up in the ND2 car, again, that being the more modern version of the MX-5 Cup car. Uh, That car puts out uh, 181 horsepower roughly, uh, and it's been dynoing. The red line shows about 7,500 RPM. And then they they took a swing, updated the electronics, and then, of course, when you are producing more horsepower and generating uh, more speed, you got to update the cooling. Uh, and that's those are really the key technical differences in the ND2, the new car, versus the ND1. And uh, it's it's again, it's the same car. It's just updates uh, to kind of keep up with technology and the times. That's what you have in the ND2. Uh, but ND1 is still an available class for the drivers and teams that didn't want to pay for the upgrade kit okay. uh, and wanted to keep the ND1 in their stable of cars. Uh, and that that's still what we call the Mark IV over here in, in Europe, what you in the States call the ND chassis. So it, the body shapes are both exactly the same. Uh, and, yes. and in fact, that mirrors the, the streetcar because the, uh, the streetcar got a bit of a power hike uh, around about the same time uh, and uh, has gone up to uh, about the same sort of numbers, actually, just over 180 horsepower for the two-litre car uh, that you can buy uh, on the street. And uh, I was, as I say, I was fortunate enough to have a, a go in one of the new bright racing orange, the uh, 30th anniversary cars earlier this week, and they're still so much fun on the road. I mean, the road car's still under 1,000 kilos. That new Mark IV, the ND car, actually only weighs a few kilos heavier than the original car. It's lighter than the car it replaces, and that's before long road racing. Uh, actually turn them into the global cup cars and take even a whole load more uh, weight out of them. They're a fantastic thing. Still, I reckon, pound for pound, the best thing you can buy for getting a smile on your face. So, uh, two different championships. Um, we are used to seeing Mazda put real cash money, dollars, into their into their schemes, into their road to either the road to India's Wars and, and the road to 24. Does that still happen, Tony? Yeah, absolutely, John. And then just because you said it uh, so well just a moment ago, I want to just jump back really quick, if you'll let me, to a point you brought up on the cars and the construction mm. of them. You know, you talk about the MX-5 car being a a, a roadster mm. pound for pound you know being a, a a real joy to drive well to those i know you guys have tons of dedicated and, and really intelligent listeners in your audience but to those who maybe are not as versed in mx5 cup racing you know i just want to make it clear to everyone that the race cars that are going to be competing on track this weekend at mid ohio and then at portland international and then weathertech raceway laguna seca these were born 
as legitimate roadsters that came out of the factory in Japan uh, to be driven as whether it be your daily driver, your weekend sports car, mm-hmm. whatever. The cars that are on track were literally born as roadsters. And then, as you brought up, long road racing, folks in Statesville, North Carolina, they are supplied these Mazda roadsters straight off the boat from Japan. uh, And they are then gutted, as you talked about. And then over 250 parts are removed and then added to these MX-5 roadsters to turn them into legitimate race cars. And that's everything from a roll cage that's accepted by IMSA, the FIA, NASA, and the SCCA, uh, which basically makes this race car safe enough to drive anywhere here in North America, uh, as well as around the world. So yeah, it's a legitimate bona fide road car that has been turned in to a race car. So that was just a point you brought mm. up that I really yeah, like. No, good, point. good point. Good point. So uh, money, there's money on the table, is there? Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. So to get back to your original question, um, it's uh, Mazda's doing a really incredible thing. And anyone who listens to the show, I'm sure knows John Dune. And uh, I call him the best man in motorsports. The guy <laughs> does everything he can to accelerate the career. Not just a driver. I mean, he, he even helps uh, down on their luck announcers like myself, John. He, he the guy, the guy never stops working. So what happens at Mazda? is they do a scholarship system uh, here in the United States. You know, when you're a really good baseball or football or high school athlete, you get a chance to go earn a college education thanks to, you know, a scholarship. Well, it's the same in motorsports now thanks to Mazda. Uh, John and the folks at Mazda Motorsports say, okay, if you win the uh, championship in the ND2 class, uh, if you are the top MX-5 Cup driver, which I assure you is much more difficult than it sounds, they are going to write you a scholarship check for $200,000 to continue your racing career in 2020 or whatever year follows your championship uh, so you can continue racing uh, in the years following. So that's something that no other auto manufacturer or OEM is doing right now in motorsports. Uh, And there's $75,000 for the Rookie of the Year uh, in that championship. And by the way, the ND1 championship isn't forgotten about uh, either $100,000 to the ND1 champion to either step up into ND, ND2 for the next season or, or to take into uh, other motor racing. And it doesn't have to be another Master Championship either. The, the the guys understand that some people might move on to, say, something like the Michelin Pilot Challenge on the IMSA uh, Championship uh, uh, schedules. Um, so who's who's the guys that we should be... We're watching this weekend, and we'll talk about where people can watch uh, this weekend as well. If our 16, uh, our 16 weekend run of live broadcast uh, comes to an end this weekend, so people will be looking for something to do, and we'll let them know where that is. Uh, ND, let's start with ND1. Who's winning the ND1 championship? Well, John Dean the second. <laughs> uh, he is the uh, owner at Six Sideways Motorsports, based literally right around the corner from uh, Sebring International Raceway. Uh, John and, and his team down there, uh, they know MX-5 Cups uh, mm. like I know my way through a buffet line. Those guys are absolutely killing uh, the, the series right now with ND1. John rattled off five wins to kick off uh, 2019, and then uh, he had a stumble and finished second after an incredibly close finish in race two at Road America just a few weeks ago during the IndyCar weekend. So John Dean, uh, former series champion, he's leading his teammate and another former series champion, Nathaniel Sparks, oh, uh, in that ND1. And that and that's the thing people need to understand. ND1, again, just because a slower car and, and it's a year or two older, uh, we have got some of the biggest names mm. in the sport. 
uh, John Dean, Nathaniel Sparks, Hernan Palermo, Sarah Montgomery, they are all racing that ND1. So, uh, and they have, and they've been, uh, sorry, Tony, they have been racing that, that, that version of the car for a very long time. So they know which, exactly, know which way is up. What about ND2 then? The more, the the more powerful cars. Who's, uh, who's at the moment leading that as we come into the last six races? Uh, last eighth, no six races. That's right. There's there's three double headers left. So last six races of the season. Who's who's in line for the moment with the two hundred grand? Well, it's incredibly close in ND2, just like every race. The championship, <laughs> the overall season battle is just as close. Uh, Drake Kemper kicked off the season with a win at Circuit of the Americas back in Austin, and then he's been right there every single round. Uh, he currently has about a three-point lead over Celine Roland out of Orlando, Florida. Roland is the former Rookie of the Year, so as you brought up already, Roland is racing as a beneficiary of the $75,000 uh, Rookie of the Year prize from last season. Uh Celine is second. He's gotten already a couple of wins this season. Brian Ortiz out of Puerto Rico is third. And then this year's uh, scholarship shootout winner, Michael Carter, out of Georgia, uh, is sitting fourth. And just quickly, scholarship shootout means that during the offseason, between each year of racing, Mazda holds a shootout where they invite uh, you know, essentially the, the best up-and-coming sports car drivers uh, here in the U.S., to an event. Uh, typically, it's been held at Bondurant out in Arizona. Uh, they put all the kids in identical cars, and then it's judged by folks like Tom Long and other Mazda mm -hmm. alum. And then uh, the, the driver they find, uh, they deem the best out of that young crop, is then given a scholarship check of their own, making sure that they can afford the upcoming season of MX-5 Cup racing. And that's Michael Carter this year. He's fourth. Uh, and really just chomping at the bit, I think he could get a win any time in these next three weekends. And where can we watch this weekend? Hope for better weather than we had when Imza was there, when we had a, a very wet uh, lead up to that. And in fairness, everybody did a great job, uh, particularly our uh, very hard-working rescue and track services crews to make sure everybody could keep on racing. Um, so hopefully the weather's a bit better for you, Tony, at Mid-Ohio. I love that track. It's perfect for the MX-5 uh, Global Cup as well, uh, cars. Um, where can we see and hear it this weekend? Yeah, you're not kidding, John. If, if uh, I'm still washing the mud off my shoes <laughs> from when IMSA was at Mid Ohio, it, it it earns its nickname as Mud Ohio in the spring. I'll, I'll give them that for sure. But uh, MazdaMotorsports.com, we're going to be doing live video and audio streaming. Uh, we're very fortunate again through the partnership with IndyCar to uh, have the talents of IMS Productions and IndyCar Radio. Uh, Mark Janes, Nick Yeoman, Mo, uh, Mo Murray from Mazda Motorsports, and myself will be on the mic calling the action. So again, cool. if you just head to Mazda Motorsports, uh, and that's where you'll be able to find all the information, including a weekend schedule, streaming information. And then Mazda Motorsports' YouTube page has full race replays from every round of competition so far this year, and I cannot recommend going back to watch those races enough. They're entertaining, and they'll get you caught up on what's happening so far I'm, I'm already thinking about doing that at the weekend thank you Tony enjoy mid-Ohio uh, and pass on our best to more to John and the rest uh, of the uh, battery tender global MX-5 cup presented by BF Goodridge this weekend Tony Laporta joining us on midweek motorsport and by the way all that's free uh, it's it's not geo-blocked it goes to the US it goes uh, all the way around the world so that's the the master motorsports page and you'll hear uh, once again the, the dulcet tones uh, of Tony Laporta on that cheers mate and I'll see you oh Road America in a, in a couple of weekends time just a few days, John. We'll see you then. My best to you and Eve, and I uh, look forward to seeing you guys in Wisconsin. 
So we've done uh, US sports cars, we've done European sports cars. Uh, we'll go back to US sports cars uh, in a little bit with Shay Adam. Can I do uh, a quick tweet? I've got a great tweet here. Go on then. Al, Al Lusted says, I've, I've, just put, I've just put on uh, Twitter, stay tuned after the show for more exclusive FIA WEC interviews from the Barcelona prologue with Blackpool Johnny. And Al's just said, totally misread that, the WEC Blackpool prologue with Barcelona Johnny. Does that mean Kiss Me Quick Hats mandatory in the pit lane? Code 60 to be increased to code 70 to match the top speed of the tram. Just means that Johnny's in drag. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You'd also get a lot, on the big of, one. a lot of cars on the timing tower. Can, can, I, can I just say oh, yeah, good. I could listen to that master guy Tony all the Porter. day. Tony the Porter oh, is like everywhere in American motorsport. Uh, Every event you go no. to, there he is. I think he's I, an I, Indy I, car, he's an IMSA, uh, and obviously this weekend he's uh, he does doing the uh, MX5s. MX5s. He, hey. does, he does the victory podiums like it was... Uh, a world heavyweight fight. Well, oh, fr- WWF. Frankly, He's I've, brilliant. I've been feeling more relaxed than I have for a week after listening to him. Going, hey, yeah, okay, Tony, cool. tell me more. Yeah, he's good. He's very. F- and I loved. Smooth. I loved when he was talking about six sideways racing. They know. They know Mazda race cars like I know my way through a buffet line. That I'm stealing that. That was fantastic. Uh, Shit, I'd have to come in a moment because we've got some breaking news from yes. from IMSA. And I'll just check to see if Shay's there. Are you there, Shay? Hello, I'm e- here. Oh, Excellent. she's very loud now. No, she's not. Yes, she's ex- she is. She's, she's, ex- she's exactly She's more excited. She's see, more excited because she's you, got more you've news. You've got on the Johnny Palmer setting. No, I uh, haven't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> She'll be back in a second. That's Sudden weird. and debilitating illness news. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Oh, right, okay. Uh, because it was a sudden, sudden and debilitating illness that uh, afflicted Paul Ip at the weekend. Right. Um, forcing him oh, and yes. the KCMG team yes. to withdraw from the Super Taiku race at Autopolis. I saw that now you that say that. Have, food poisoning. Have we got anything more on that, or is that all of We said? have. Is it food poisoning? Uh, it doesn't say in the press release. It just Well, the press release just calls it um, a... Southern illness, right? Um, and then Matt Housen uh, has said it was a sudden and debilitating fever. Oh, nasty! Uh, but Matt also says he's now fully recovered, uh, and uh, they're looking forward to the uh, end of the season. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, what, what else have you got? But obviously, they had to withdraw the car because you can't put in a substitute driver in Super uh, IQ, uh, no, unless you take massive points deductions yeah so uh very very odd uh, two more races to go uh in that championship this weekend uh well we've got nick mm-hmm. what Hello. do you what's a collective Hello. noun for solbergs oh, oh i say a hollywood a hollywood of solbergs i, I think it, i think it would be a sideways of solberg a sideways of solberg i like that a we, flick, a flick of Solbergs. We we will have, what, however you describe them, multiple <laughs> Solbergs at uh, this year's Wales Rally GB. Oh, really? Is the, is the boy racing as well, or rallying? Yes, boy and dad. Excellent. Uh, dad and lad. In a pair of Volkswagen Polo R5s. Oh, right. Uh, Very cool. And Petter will be joined by Phil Mills. Wow. That's taking it seriously. Yes. How long is it since Phil's been on a... Um, World Championship Rally. That's interesting. 
answers on a postcard. Or Let's pres- hope he's um, not been on the... Um, or Twitter. On the donuts like Danny Sordo was when uh, oh. Sebastian Loeb came back. Yes, good point. Uh, Oliver Zolberg said, uh, I have so many memories of my dad driving and winning in this rally. Mm. Early this year, I was over doing some testing in Sweet Lamb and it gave me goosebumps on my arm. I, I love Sweet Lamb as a stage. It's a great stage. I like Sweet Lamb as a dinner. Mm. Okay. Yes, Raised that's also true. Very good. Uh, one ball from you. Ol- uh, Petter Solberg said it's uh, one of the highlights of my career, winning my first ever WRC round there, and then winning the championship there a year later. And so special for Phil Miller who lives there. Which one's the highlight? Well, it's one of his highlights is winning, and one of his highlights is he a collection of his highlights are at that Wales Rally. All of his highlights have happened in Wales, clearly. All parts of the Petter Solberg farewell tour, which continues all year. Is there a T-shirt? And, and you know who his mum is, don't you? Mrs. Solberg. No. <laughs> well, maybe, but it's a whole full rally and family. It's Penilla Wilfredson, who was also a very successful rally driver. Okay, that one was like tumbleweeds. Nick doesn't do rallying. He's not going to have heard of her. Genuinely. I'm surprised he's heard of Petter Solberg, to she be honest. She once ran her trailer into a, um, an Audi that I had at the... Um, and that's why you'll never forget her. At, at, at the uh, at Wales Rally so, GP. We so, were staying in the so same Mrs. Miggins guest house. So you know her because of the insurance claim. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Shay's back because we have some breaking news from America. Yes, we do, Shay. Uh, welcome back. Um... We, we just said when we had you on earlier on this game approach for live doesn't it um, that <laughs> we hadn't had any BOP announcements and blow me if obviously everybody at uh, IMSA Technical was sitting there and somebody said well have we not put that out yet yeah, I don't press, send, only, press, uh, send. press send press send no I don't mean that at all because they are very very efficient but they are listening like to us but they are, I, I think they probably are um, hello to hello, Simon Jeff. Jeff all the rest of the team <laughs> all the brilliant number crunches out there um has what we suspected happened happened? But let's start with uh, let's start with the DPIs at the front of the field. Haven't seen them since Watkins Glen uh, and CTMP. Two wins for Mazda. Have uh, have Mazda been pegged back a bit? Oh yes, yes they have. Uh, Nissan has no changes. Mazda twenty kilos of weight added to the car. They've had twelve point five kilowatts taken away from their average power delta. I don't fully understand what that means, but I'll get Jeff to explain it. <laughs> And they've had two liters of fuel taken away. Cadillac, they were desperate for some help. Well, they got 20 kilos of weight added to the car. They have 8.2 kilowatts added to their average power delta, so I'd imagine that that helps. They have one more liter of fuel, but the big difference, they're going to be breathing better because they have 0.6 of a millimeter bigger of a restrictor, so they're now up to 32.5. The only other change comes for the Acura. That car now has 10 kilos more. And the boost ratio for the Mazda also has been altered above 7,200 RPM. For the Mazda or the Acura? For the Mazda. Oh, for the Mazda. Okay. GTs? Yep. Uh, GTLM, no changes whatsoever. Good. GTD, we know that um, McLaren, they're still trying to wrap their heads around how to balance that car. 30 kilos of weight taken out of that car. They've had 5.7 kilowatts added to their average power delta. Again, just saying words, not fully understanding what they are. The <laughs> it's like reading the cricket GT3. scores, isn't it, for you? You might as well be reading the cricket. <laughs> That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, Acura, the NSX, has had 20 kilos added to that car, which means that it is now up to 1350 pounds or kilograms. Excuse me. And the Ferrari. This is the interesting one. 10 kilograms taken out, 3.3 kilowatts added to that car. 
and one liter of fuel more. So there's only one Ferrari that runs in our series full-time. That's the WeatherTech car coming into Cooper McNeil's hometown track at Road America. That's mm. going to be a very interesting change for them. Okay, Shay, thank you for updating us on that. And she'll be back with us next week. Our show comes from Road America. Travel safely, Shay. See you Wednesday. See you. Bye. Shay Adam uh, joining us uh, live from Fort Lauderdale again tonight. Uh, just uh, a couple of other things from me. Uh, first of all, thank you very much to Nick for being with us tonight. I haven't seen you for ages. It's lovely. It's very, very won't, nice. Won't see you for ages again. Right, okay. Uh, and a reminder that it's Oliver's Mount this weekend. Uh, motorcycling returns to Oliver's Mount if you're anywhere near Scarborough and I would be, I'm sure they'll have a big crowd. It's going to be great weather, but get yourself over if you can. It is a fabulous place to go and watch motorcycling. That's just about it, but we finished tonight and I'm afraid a rather sad and sombre note, Tim. Uh, yes, uh, Nick Harrison, uh, the crew chief uh, in NASCAR of Justin Haley, who we were talking about only a couple of weeks ago, getting his debut win at Daytona, uh, died on Sunday morning at the age of 37. Uh, Nick had previously worked with uh, drivers including Kurt Busch, uh, Bobby Labonte, Bill Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Paul Menard and Ty Dillon. Uh, his final race was on Saturday, where he called Justin Haley to 13th place in the Rocksaw 200 at New Hampshire. Uh, with Harrison's leadership, Haley, who's competing for the Xfinity Rookie of the Year honours, currently sits ninth in the standings. Justin Haley said, not just a crew chief, but a friend to everyone who knew him. I and everyone at Cowdick Racing are devastated. He will be greatly missed. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.